Hello and welcome to episode 432 of the Awesome Comics Podcast, a place where the small press makes one hell of a big noise. My name is Vince Hunt and joining me as always is the creator of the comic series Vanguard, Dan Butcher. Hello. And he loves Judy Dench so, so much. <laughs> it's Tony Esmond. Listen, the worst thing that was said about Judy Dench wasn't me a minute ago and you know yeah. it. That is slander. That's... We would never say anything about a national treasure. It's fair. Judy's one of our biggest fans. It's fair. Dan's admission. Judy's yeah, one right. of our biggest fans. She's an active member of the Slack community. And, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening every week, Judy. You're a legend. And welcome yeah. to the show, everyone. And she's <laughs> it, in that movie, Cats. Yeah. Yes. Oh, God. I've uh, never seen uh, the film and I never will. But, Me neither. But funnily enough, we are talking about horror a lot this month. Because mm. it, is, it is a... <laughs> It is a haunting month of October as we record. So leading up to the Halloween horror special, we're talking. We've got a few uh, horror like you know. We, last week we were talking about giant cyborg dinosaur monsters, etc. He was a good geezer, Joe. Yeah. yeah, nice guy. Nice guy. Yeah. There's yeah. horror horror writing we're talking about. There may be a guest coming up that is a bit of a horror name as well. <laughs> as yeah. In, in the lead up, and we may be talking sometime about this month, probably at night. <laughs> That's when all the best horror happens at night. <laughs> yeah. um, that's a good point, actually. You know, that's living Corridor. Some... <laughs> that's a bit topical, that, so apologies. Well, you wake up and look left in my ass. Yeah. <laughs> my God. Um, but yes, we are talking about um, lots of different uh, spooky and Halloween-like subjects. And we're going to focus a little bit on sort of horror-based comic book covers. Just talk mm. about that art, and it really is an art to do that sort of style of comic book cover. So we're going to have a little bit of a discussion that. We've all picked one out, and sure enough, play along with us at home. Let yeah. us know after the, the show in the Slack community or online or wherever um, your favourite examples of sort of horror comic book covers, etc. I think we'll do the old... We're put the pictures on the tweet or wherever we put it on social so you can yeah. kind of take a look yeah. because yeah. obviously understanding this is a social this is an audio medium we're talking about yeah we'll do our best to describe yeah. them yeah yeah and we do a good job that's what we do <laughs> 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 oh, Don't even so full of confidence yeah 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 i'll tell Fuck you yeah i'll tell you who never lies to you though that's our lovely sponsors, Comic House, the yeah. indie comic marketplace that loves indie comics as much as we do, and as much as you do, because you do, because you're listening to this show, and uh, it can't be for the other banter we do on this show because it's just absolute nonsense. But Comic House, however, is full of awesome. If you go on the ComicHouse.com, there's a huge selection of titles on their database. Lots of people have listed their books on there, and if you are a creator, you can do that as well. It's another avenue to start selling your books and work out to the world but they also have an app a digital mm. subscription service like netflix for comics only three pounds a month and you get access to an enormous and growing library of digital indie comics um what's on there in the moment Dan? we've got a uh, sicko volume one we've got john lee nonley volume one issue four let's tell some stupid stories <laughs> and bloop and the pigeon pandemic color preview issue zero that's like a kind of 22 page sampler of a an upcoming well not an upcoming it's a current oh, kickstarter back that yeah. yeah, so more on that later in the show. Yeah, that's by Alex Hahn, isn't it? That's the yes. one. Yeah, great creator and a uh, friend of the show. Um, oh. And there's loads of stuff like that, all that and more. Um, so for 40, there's a 14-day free trial as well. Who doesn't love a free trial? To find out more, go to ComicHouse.com. And thank you to the Comic House guys, as always, for sponsoring this show. Did you want to talk a little bit about your uh, weekend oh, yeah. adventures? 
Yeah, yes, Vince has been at, on his travels. Yes, yeah. I was at Bristol. Um, I, I popped into the Bristol um, Comic Expo this weekend. There was a Doubletree yes. Hilton. Anyone who's listened to some of our recent shows has heard me sort of mention it in the shout outs. It was a lovely, lovely sort of. I wasn't there very long, really. I met the this chucklehead, Tom Curry, the uh, leader of the Drink and Draw, of which there is one coming, and we'll let you know this Friday, thirteenth. Yeah, later. get on it. Um, well, okay. Well, there's all the details. Then Friday the thirteenth, there's a Drink and Draw. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's going to go badly. I, I met up with Tom, who had already already bought a copy of Hocus Pocus, um, which is a great looking hardcover that that book. And uh, yeah, there was just uh, a, f- a lot of familiar sort of local faces to me in there, and like uh, Dan Harris, Sarah Millman. Excellent. There, yeah, there was uh, Dave Broughton was there. There was the guys from like the Seventy Seven and the Sentinel. There was uh, Steve Tanner and Time Bomb Comics. You, you always re- you know where Steve is as soon as you walk into a convention. No one can miss. Do magic that. in the corner in his jacket, and, isn't he? He's, do- he's doing magic. And uh, selling his his brand of comics, and there was loads of other. There was a brilliant exhibition of old sort of vintage comic book art. You sent through some of the pics, and yeah, amazing. you sent some Ron Embleton through, didn't you? Yeah, right? mm. yes, I did, which I didn't realise at the time. And this is why I, if you go to a show like this, if if ever they have any kind of exhibition or something like that, go to it. It doesn't. I mean, I walked in there. I didn't know. I didn't know these comics. I didn't read these comics. I didn't. I didn't know the creators. You know, I. I, I really didn't. It was only. It was only afterwards by look, looking up some names and. You know, there was stuff that um, Tony and I had seen at Lawless. You know, that um, there was the Jerry Anderson sort of cutaway. PV twenty one stuff. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was a bit of that, but there was also some fresh pages I hadn't seen before, and a lot of them were like TV adaptions. It was like the Persuaders and uh, okay. um, Words of Gummage. Things like that, and <laughs> was it Fireball X? XL five. XL five. Yeah, yeah, there's a page yeah. of that. Um, and even if you don't know these shows, and certainly a lot of these shows were way before a lot of people's time, and they don't even know what these books are, just look at the art mm. because seriously, just staring at those pages, and it was the wonderful, you know, it looks like collage. You can see where they've they've cut and pasted the boxes for the lettering and stuff over they used to do isn't it pre pre computers it would be literally on the board wouldn't it that kind of craftsmanship there's a kind of timeless quality to it because you can the the kind of quality and level of workmanship and skill invested in that those pages are like you can look at them whenever and it's like damn yeah they look fully painted don't they yeah Yeah. the color's gone straight on them and it's yeah and it was very much like like that as well just you're just staring at the pages and you know, my son, <laughs> me and Tom were there wandering around, and we almost went into sort of uh, academic mode. You know, we were just like two blokes walking in, and then all of a sudden, wow! Can you see the way that they've separated those panels and the 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 design of the page? You know, because you just can't help but study these pages. I, like I say, I don't know the context of the work, and sure enough, there there are some. Some sometimes when you see the exhibition, some of the artwork or it it's of its time. Should we say? Mm. Um, what well, you mean, just, like old sensibilities? Yeah, old sensibilities, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially if it's some some old wartime comics. Yeah, you yeah. know that kind of stuff. Um, uh, just a little side note: this is going to come back round later on in another segment we've got coming up. Right. Oh, okay. okay. Do you think? Might do. Yeah. 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 Um, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but just looking at like we we said last week. You know, you open up some of the pages of Eerie 
and you see the you know the, these artists that are doing ink washes or they're doing you know just amazingly detailed stuff not for the big two you know not for not for the bigger companies uh, as such they're doing it for these sort of pulpy magazines and you would think in this day and age uh a multimedia tie-in is i mean i could be wrong and i know there's a lot of people that work hard on these things but sometimes they feel like they're an afterthought by publishers or companies um but looking at these pages so much work and effort has gone into just the, the storytelling the layout I was staring at a page of the Persuaders, like full colour art. I mean, you do have the moments that they're trying to get the physical likenesses right, aren't they? You know, they're trying to get that. All right, okay, this looks like Roger Moore. He does on that panel. Loses yeah. it a bit there. <laughs> yeah. um, but the, the colour on show and the, the dynamic nature of it, there is a, there was like a, a six-panel page. I think it's one of the ones I, I posted. And these, these days, maybe... A lot of people would structure it in a fairly formulaic box, 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 long horizontal box. But this one, there was diagonals. The boxes were explosions. You know, things things breaking out of boxes. You know, comic panels that didn't have frames. So much experimentation and and just innovative stuff was done that I was looking at as just inspiration. I was it was it was strange. I I saw this work from the seventies or the sixties. When was the Persuaders around? It was about seventies, late seventies. Yeah, think early seventies maybe. But I, yeah. I I looked at some of these pages and thought, wow. There's not many people doing things like this in comics now. Do you know what I mean it almost felt revolutionary for something that was like old? That and I, yeah, there is that kind of. And this was a TV tie-in that probably just. There's probably in a long box. They're probably just you know tucked away or something like oh, yeah. that. Well, little tip: if you if you want to see some of that TV comic stuff, I saw today that Strange Apparitions have got a load of their pristine looking as well. A load of the old annuals of theirs. Wow, nice. Um, yeah. In this week, so have a look at their website. Yeah, it, there's some fantastic stuff going on, and obviously there are just some absolute names on there. I mean, I mean, I posted on my Instagram just some of the pictures I took. Um, I mean, like there's a Wurzel Gummage page. And for those who don't know Words of Gummage, Google it. It's hilarious. Um, but the original one, obviously... The, the John Mighty, Pertwee one, obviously. The, the Mighty yeah. Pertwee. And just the facial is, it, like, it is spot on. It looks effortless. Did, did I tell you that I found out I was related to him recently? No. No. I'll, I'll bore you with that later. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. I read his I autobiography. Yeah. I didn't know you were a gummage. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> My head comes went... off. I'm angry, Tony. Today. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why that was. Turns out I know why. <laughs> hey, I'm always um... pulling my head off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was you know that that was a highlight, and there was loads of great small press creators. So if you go to these events, and I hope all the creators did well. I think for a lot of them, I was talking to Sarah Millman, and she was saying this is kind of a, a good practice because a lot of them are going to be at Thought Bubble. Or like a bigger show like that. So to do a smaller show like this when you haven't done a show for a while, to do a smaller one before the big show is almost a little bit of a practice, a little yeah, bit of gets a, the cobwebs yeah, out. Yeah, 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 totally. It is like that, which is um, which which is a good thing to think about sometimes if you're going to do a big yeah. show. Maybe if you've got a smaller local show to you just to try, so do a run up, you know, because like the bigger shows do have a certain amount of pressure to them, don't they? It just and I don't mean like sales. I mean like table setup. You know all mm. of all of these little things that we sort out, but no, you can um, sort of unburden yourself for that kind of niggle or stress yeah. 
Correct. Yeah. Make sure the card machine works. Make sure you've got enough change. Yeah. Make yeah. sure you've got a tablecloth. Then you know you're right. You've got your setup ready to go yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's the practice run, um, but one that involves uh, maybe you selling a few books at the same time. Mm. Good. So yeah, it was a it was a fun afternoon. Uh, my big thanks uh, again to Tom for the hang. I see, that's me being cool. <laughs> the hang. Is that what the cool kids are saying no, nowadays? I, I think no one has said that probably since no. the mid eighties. I don't. Know. <laughs> oh, you're hanging. Yeah, but yeah, I I find when I, when I go to these shows, just the the little art exhibitions, and they, they were certainly like there were signing tables and stuff like that. But just you know, that's that's kind of what gets me buzzed at the moment. Maybe mm. that's because kind of in my comics read and stuff, I, I'm I'm jonesing for some vintage comics. You know, whether it be the the old UK stuff or, you know, some of this older stuff that I'm reading at the moment. Um, that's not to say there aren't brilliant comics, modern comics coming coming out. Uh, I've just, just I, you know, I've just got this flavour for discovering older stuff. You know? We was musing about the uh, the Captain Scarlet end credits, the the art pieces there. Yeah, you said that you thought it was better than the actual. <laughs> and I did as well. I used to watch those end credits. I yeah. think fucking, hell, I wish that was just like that. Yeah, it, that is exactly yeah. what I'm yeah. talking about. And uh, you know. I was a, I was a fan of Captain Scarlet. I, I got to it say, was pretty straight. Them, if I remember I, it, I'm Captain a Stingray Scarlet. man. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I'm a Stingray man. That's, that must have been repeats because Stingray's like late sixties, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I I was, do, you, do you fancy ladies who swim, swim underwater and don't say anything? I've have I told you this story about my family used to wind me up about that. So <laughs> well, Aqua Marina. Yeah. Marina. Right. Aqua Marina. Um. I always like the intro of Captain Scarlet when like there's the alley and the cat kind of oh, goes yeah. and they put a spotlight on him and just blast him up. And it's like, but you just hear it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Is that, why not just have all of it of that? Like this yeah. whole show of just yeah. yeah. It's a bit um, with wobbly heads. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the at the end of that show, Captain Scarlet. Google that if you don't know as well. Um, but but obviously obviously Spectrum was there, so there was you know there was a lot of Jerry Anderson type stuff at the con, but. Um, there was oh, I've forgotten that the names just escaped me, Tony. You just said it, the artist. Uh, Ron Embleton. Ron Embleton. Yeah. Um there was a piece of art in that exhibition and it was just for a war comic and I was stood looking at it for a good five minutes. And it's just like these these soldiers de- like trying to deal with an elephant. Um it's the sort of thing that could quite easily be a cover of a cover of story. <laughs> yeah. It could you guys be have a, had an elderly it, relative tell you a war story about them tackling a giant tackling elephant. Tackling an elephant, yeah. yeah. Um but it could have quite easily been a cover of the week kind of thing. Okay. And it was it was just the first page of a story. Do you know what I mean? Oh, there brilliant. was a couple of pal- okay. panels underneath it. But I was staring at that for ages. And then of course, once I said that, Tony immediately recognised the name. Once I dug it out, and I was like, well, what? there's a there's a great set of magazines called the Illustrator or Illustrators, I think they're called. Mm. And I think the Don's involved with them. He works with them, mm. and oh, um, nice. they've, they he's featured in their magazines. They're a little bit pricey, but they're sort of perfect bound loads of artwork in there and you'll find his stuff in that there's some lovely examples yeah. of those magazines yeah. yeah um i think certainly when i did the, the the following google search i did find that you know that that was a name that popped up that magazine right as well as like as soon as i saw captain scarlet and i just looked that he did all the end end title yeah, cards and i was like he did some of the best artwork that i loved when i was mm. a kid and i didn't know <laughs> There's loads of stuff like that. It's I don't know why, but I was obsessed with the images you used to see in the end credits because yeah. I used to think they were things that would come up elsewhere in the series. Yeah, yeah. And it was a bit like, do you remember the end credits of the original Star uh, Star Trek? And you think, fucking hell, I didn't see that episode. Yeah. That yeah. creature looks like he's made out of molten lava. Why don't I see that episode? It's like that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. So, um, respect to those brilliant artists who have done all of that work that sometimes I think just gets glossed over, doesn't it? People don't yes, realise it. Yeah. Um, Standing on the shoulders of giants. Exactly. Well, exactly. speaking of museums, we've got another subject, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, that yes. ties, ties <clears throat> onto this. Take it away. Well, we were sent, um, I'm not on Facebook, um, we were sent something um, into the pod um, by Stephen Marchant, who I think is one of the sort of runners of the Cartoon Museum in London. And he posted the following. Well, this has pissed me off. We were all set to have a Batman exhibition next year. We had artwork lined up and everything, but we needed the OK from DC so that we could use their branding and images to promote it. Two young brand and marketing executives came to the museum last week for a look around and have said no. And then in speech marks, we felt there were too many political and potential sensitive reference artworks in the space that were a cause for concern. Huh. Ardman have no problem with us or Rebellion or DC Thompson or any of the estates of the of the major figures we've displayed. But there we go. Now, we have we have emailed DC Comics, we messaged DC Comics without a reply just to say if they had anything to say about that. But I think that that shows to me a lack of knowledge about the history of British cartooning, which um, when you go back to Punch and, you know, even like mm. Private Eye and stuff, of course it's politic. It's political cartooning. We, we, we're known for it in this country. You're even spitting image or something like that. Mm. You know, you've got Ronald Searle and Martin Rosen and Bell and all the, all the greats who are... Yeah. And they've even... I mean, they, I know they've got pages for V Vendetta up and stuff like that as well. I don't understand. But, but mate, there's like, old media. There, there's going to be questionable issues and morality and topics displayed within it. Uh, it's just it's a museum. And, yeah, yeah. To try and kind of whitewash that and sort of say, oh no, we're not going to show that because that's you that doesn't that doesn't correlate to. Is that it's, a, it's an interesting wider point in relation to museums themselves. You know, because yeah. what do they begin objecting to then? Yeah, you know. I mean, it's what about weapons of war. Yeah. Presumably they'd be straight up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, we know that there's stuff in the past that's, you know, questionable and beyond. I, I, I'm not good with words, so I'm not going to oversimplify things. But like you say, a museum, it's a talking talking point. And certainly it's. it's well, you uh, go and learn about stuff. You go, yeah. yeah, and you're learning. And even through seeing this artwork or whatever, it's it's fascinating. But part of part of that is also seeing the journey of see how far it's come. Do you know what I mean? If it, if it was if it's questionable at that point, see what they did to correct it. You know, see what happened. What was the journey? What was the learnings? I mean, we're going to take all the Nazis out of museums because they don't like what they did. Yeah, you we, we yeah. need to yeah. learn about them yeah. so we don't yeah. make those mistakes again. It's you can't madness. say, yeah, yeah. That if that did, if I don't see it, then it didn't happen and everything's all right. No, we need to see it because it did happen and that's how we learn. Yeah, and if you're doing these museums and, and you know, if, if you do exhibitions in museums and you do have these sort of things, then certainly put put messaging up, put signage up, sort of saying, yeah, as you would with any content, just to let you know there may be, you know, just a little warning. There may be some stuff here that you know might be shocking or you might know, might be a bit challenging. Yeah, it might yeah. be a bit challenging. You think about it in the, in the layout, which I'm sure these guys did anyway. With the layout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is cur- curated. I can't yeah. imagine it's going to be anything there that a- any of us or most of us. But you've got the company that is basically Warner Brothers. Yeah. Saying, "Oh, we don't like this history stuff in your museum." Man, I can totally see that. A couple of suits come around and say, "Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about this," and knock it yeah. on the head. I yeah. mean, that's conjecture. I don't know. 
but just going on what's what I've read and what's been sent in, that's what it reads to to me. It's a shame because I'd have liked to see a lot of Batman. You know, I'm sure yeah. they do get they do get some really great artwork in, and I'm, mm. I would have liked to have gone to that. Yeah, which is a shame. I would like I to mean, know sort of like what they found. Yeah, problematic. Yeah, which yeah, is why we've yeah. written to them to be yeah. fair, because I think it's only fair that we hear both yeah, sides. Agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And we maybe if they do reply, we'll let you know. But yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's some stuff in Batman's past for the character that's a bit sort of dubious. But then any of those characters with that length of yeah, body work going on, there's going to be stuff yeah. that's going to be dodgy. The, the history of pretty much every book, every long-standing comic book character, is usually quite problematic. Hmm. Just in, just at, at some point. I mean, if it's going to if it ran over the walls, you're going to get racial slurs in there. Yeah, I'm sure there probably are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, with that with the war book, it was at the uh, Bristol. There's some of the yeah. artwork there, which I imagine was like fucking hell. Like, it's, yeah. That's like yeah, that's not acceptable now. But that's what the language is used at the time. So what are you going to do? Yeah, we can't take this stuff out. No, we can't do it because otherwise we'll never learn anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, You you can't you can't edit history. You can just learn from it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you, it's like those people that say, "Well, take these things out of the schools because I don't want my kids learn them." Don't be fucking idiots. They've got to learn these. Yeah. (laughs) You know. It was like when they took mouse out. That was mad. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. yeah. Whole point as a parent is supposed to you're supposed to equip your child for like the the trials and tribulations that can come ahead of them. Like make sure they can handle the journey ahead. It's not to go forward and then try and make that journey as painless as possible by removing obstacles. Because you can't do that. It's just it won't work. Mm. Uh yeah. oh well. We've gotten all grown up, haven't we? And thought provoking. Yeah, well, when it comes to topic, topics like yeah. this, I guess you have to be a little yeah, more sensitive. Y- yeah, you have to be. You got, you got, you got to treat it sensibly. Some of the mad conversations I've heard recently, mate. Yeah, and you're like, honestly, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but uh, and that's just on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but back to the show. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I had a quick one, like a, a thought. We was watching a supernatural horror film yesterday. I guess this can go for comics as well. But like. In these some of these stories, like a lot of horror films, they have like demonic entities or the devil or someone getting involved. And so in this universe in the story, there's right, there's the devil and there's God. And both of them are kind of actual entities and people believe in them. They see their power being kind of like shown and affecting things. So kind of like in a Christmas film, like if Father Christmas something happens to Father Christmas and the presents turn up. Everyone must know that Father Christmas actually is a real entity. It's not just making him up because years and years and years, presents been delivered. So in these horror films, when there's a demon running around effing stuff up, then they think, well, why is God not doing something about this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It either doesn't give a shit or he can't do anything about it. Like, but there's some guy, some monster running around slaughtering people. And where's it, what's God doing? <laughs> but it's kind of weird because it, it treats them like, of believing in God's like a matter of faith in these films, but there's literally a demon running around. Where's the faith? There's like, I quite like those sort of battles of angels movies. You know, we had a little spate of them, didn't we? Legion. Yeah. And there was that TV yeah. series as well. I quite like that stuff. You know, where you do get that sort of, Oh yeah. The classic, uh, the prophecy. The, yeah. yeah I like the, the Christopher Christopher Wal- Wal- yeah, the, first, no. the first ones. First brilliant. one's okay. Yeah. 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 Goes a bit south by the time you get to three or four, but yeah. 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 But yeah, I like all that. I kind of like that sort because of, I'm not a Christian. I'm not. I'm not religious in any way. But the I kind of like because I know the mythology. Yeah. I kind of know all the players, which I quite like. You know. Yeah. I really like the original Roman. 
that fucking really scared yeah. me when I saw it as a kid. I think I like the first three men are great. Yeah. Really it's, like him. Yeah. The whole accident thing, like the, when the music yeah. starts up, you're like, oh, fuck. The remake was all right. <laughs> I quite like the yeah, remake. Yeah, that's okay. It's not, yeah, four it's, wasn't very good. I tried watching that a couple of times, not very good. What one's four? It's got that lady from V, the blonde lady who led the rebellion in V. She's the sort of character in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a bit made for DVD. Okay, fair enough. Made for mm. DVD, those classic days. Yeah. We had uh, good old Rage days. Carry 2. No, 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 that's not. That's not. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes when you look at a DVD or a Blu-ray or a video or a VHS, what's the thing that makes you pick it up from the shelf? Some awesome cover art. Cover boobs. art. And boobs. It uh, used to be the uh, cover art all the time when we was doing that. Oh, that's all we, yeah. That's all VHS. Video, video rentals. It was light. Horror, horror films live and die. <laughs> On, on video rentals, buy that cover. There's a well, let's reader. face it, it's, that's digital comics now on Comicsology because you don't yeah. really get to see the interiors anymore, no. do you? It, you know? ex- exactly, exactly. And it just stands to reason that comic covers are just the same. As we've said, when you walk into a comic book shop, it is a wall of sometimes uh, a lot of the similar things. What do you have that, that stands out? Well, amongst all the superheroes and everything else, a horror comic has to do something different. So, um, we, we've had a few um, co- comic book cover conversations on this show. We always like doing them because we just... It's we were talking last week, didn't we, Gio, about yeah. his cover, didn't we? Because yeah. he was showing the monster but revealing it later in the yeah. comic. And yeah. there's that balance, isn't it, with needing to sell a comic. Yeah. yeah. And it's always a nice excuse to just look at some lovely artwork. So, I'm just going to start off, chaps, just in general. For a horror comic book, an issue one, and maybe just because I'm on an issue one, tangent for this but first issue of a horror comic what for you makes it would work for you what makes it stand out i don't i don't think there's any one thing with horror because horror is one of those weird genres that covers so many others doesn't it yeah so there's been horror stories in the x-men you know batman i mean you could argue that batman is a horror comic in many ways certainly in sort of little periods of its history and um there's all different kinds of horror, isn't there? There's, you know, there's machetes and then there's psychological and then there's ghosts and psychics and all different things. So I don't know. I think it has to be the fundamentals of a good cover mm. first for me. Yeah. And then it has to be just purely interesting. Yeah. I think, you know, that I, I find that, um, Certainly, based around your concept, whatever your book is, um, and it's a and it's a question of taste thing. I mean, you know, we we love those tales from the crypt. You know that mm. the the classic sort of horror ones that have that the branding almost in a bar at the top, don't they? How many indie comics have we seen that are basically just done DC that? rips? Yeah, I'll be I'll be talking about another one later. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so the, there's obviously the the strong branding, but I think it's more difficult when you've got like a like a, just an individual story, you mm. know, when you're telling a tale. Dan, what works for you for a, a horror cover? I, I really like storytelling. Yeah. In the cover. When you see an image and you're like, oh my God, what's happening there? Or there's a moment of peril. But reading into it that, how's this going to play out? I think I sent an image for you for like a horror Christmas comic, comic V. Yeah. It was like the kind of monstrous figure like in the Father Christmas, like yeah. isolated in the snow. And it's like... 
It's a new James Tinian book, yeah. isn't it, that I'm looking forward to read, actually. And I was like, where's this going? That that's that image just invokes st- a story, a plot. I, I want to find out what's going on there. And and also it's called... Yeah, the, 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 the comic, title's quite big yeah. as well on it, isn't it? What's it called? The, hang on, I'll, I'll look it up. Carry on talking while I look it up. I, the, the stuff when it's just like a, a relatively generic pin-up, I'm just kind of, okay, it's fine. Uh, yeah, that's sort of just getting an image out of the back, the back, back of a drawer somewhere that you get with a lot of like Spider-Man, Batman, yeah. Superman stuff. It doesn't. It's got. It's got. A, it's got. To make me interested in reading it. That's mm. what it's got to be. Yeah, you know, it's got to pique your interest somehow. And the storytelling on the cover is a big part of that. I think. I think the. You know. Yeah. 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 You think of all the comics they go back in the homage. It's always the ones that have got great storytelling aspects. You're not going to see some generic oh, Batman jumping in the sky variant do you know what i mean tell like they have they have done that jim lee one with batman and superman standing up a couple of times but uh, i mean the storytelling is an interesting thing that you say dan like because the deviant that's the one you're talking about yeah and and that's a that's a strong cover it seems like quite a simple but haunting cover like you say there's Mm. this person in in a santa outfit you can't it's from a distance so you need to really focus on them to see that something's wrong which is always a great horror device isn't it yeah. Something that looks recognisable from a distance, but there's something off about it. That's always creepy. Mm. But, you know, looking at the cover now, there's storytelling going on because there's a, there's a path on it that splits into two and there's footsteps going in one direction and that's where this figure's walking from, covered in blood. And yet there's a, yeah. there's a light almost from a house, an unseen house, to the left. So it could be like they've gone in the house and the door's been left open as yeah. they come out. Yeah. They, so, you know, and I love that. It's only that I'm looking at it now just thinking, what is this? What's going on? Mm. You know, there's a story there, um, which I, I think sometimes people lose sight of that, don't they? Sometimes they just try to do something striking, cool, graphic. Um, but a horror comic has to make you, <laughs> in some ways, go, what the hell is this? Yeah. Um, yeah, a horror comic almost needs to have. It depends on the trope they're working yeah. on, on the, the area of horror. But there has to yeah. be a little moment of disturbing you, doesn't it? I think sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you if you were going to do a giallo comic, what kind of cover would you have for a giallo comic? Would you do it? Would you have something, something that's like a, a frame from a giallo movie, or would you do the cover the cover like a classic giallo movie poster? Do you know what I mean? I think there's some giallo. Both- cliches aren't there yeah so you know the fly in the in the corner of the eyeball and yeah. you know or the picture of the nun covered in blood you mm. immediately know that that's a giallo kind of vibe don't you you know yeah. um yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the giallo movies i don't yeah. think we've really got there in comics so i think it's such an abstract format a giallo movie isn't it it's hard yeah. to translate very hard to translate if yeah if at all possible i don't know if it is yeah, I mean, a lot of them don't make sense, Charlie. I mean, no. There's no two ways about it. They just don't. They're just sort of abstract images sort of thing together, so, aren't like, they? Yeah. The soundtracks make such yeah, a difference. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah. When you're watching Suspiria, you're like, what the fuck yeah. is going on? It's almost yeah. if, you, if you if you wanted to create a, a, a Giallo comic, you know, get some sort of synth artist to, to do a, a soundtrack for it so you can say to people, listen to this when you're reading this and it will all make sense. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because that because it's such an experience, isn't it? That sort of genre. I think you're right, Tony. Like depending on the genre, um, it has to do sort of so many different things. With a superhero comic, it doesn't have to stretch too far, does it? I mean, I mean, in issue one, you've got to see the the, the hero. 
the, the ongoing mm. issues we like to see the hero you know the heroes fighting someone do you know what I mean or you know seeing something that's going to happen usually the book. issue ones I'll, I'll give a pass to being relatively bland the covers yeah. because but they don't know what they're get getting uh, but no. horror doesn't really get that benefit though does it no it's got I think to, that, it's got to yeah, grab think you hasn't it horror covers at the moment are making the mistake of just being dark yeah there's too yeah. much just plain darkness going on with not enough visual you know because i think people unfortunately i think horror comics are one of the few um genres in comics that follows the movies more than the comics yeah, i agree yeah. yeah what's popular in the movies yeah. you'll see a comic we made of it a couple months down the line yeah yeah i think so yeah and there, there's certain um artists i think there's someone like a like jock did witches well, Martin Simmons is another one. And yeah. Martin yeah. Simmons, yeah. you know, um, I mean, Martin Simmons does a lot more. There's a lot more visuals. I mean, certainly, like you see iconography the, and stuff the, in them. The Dracula yeah. covers. There's, there's mm. something narrative going on there. That what you're going to see. Um, and I think when you have like, a, especially when it, a mini series, which predominantly these days, especially in indie comics, that's what we're getting, isn't it? Like a six, yeah. a six issue mini series. You know, they're, they're not really ongoings. Um, and even the ones that people say, oh, but what about this series? They're normally a six issue arc, six issue arc, six issue arc, isn't it? So even if it is an ongoing, um, but so, I think sometimes there's a danger when you have an artist like, like for instance, Jock with Witches. Witches was like a, I I struggle. I enjoyed that first trade as well. I I, I didn't I didn't get back to the series, and I can remember the first cover, but I can't tell you any other other covers from the series. Okay. Do you think that's a that's an issue for horror comics? If you if I, there's I was buying it off remember? the shelf, I was buying it off the shelf, and I had trouble remembering whether I bought that issue or not. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, that's it's, it's the same. That's troublesome. Isn't it? it is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. And that's not to say that the art's not good, but if you have like three or four of the same thing, you could end up double dipping with like real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I've done it. I've done it. I just, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I I think horror stories especially if they've got a couple of issues you have to grab hold of the narrative don't you you have, you have the first one to sort of give a symbolic idea but if you've got an issue two issue three issue four surely there's got to be something that resonates with whatever's being told within the pages yeah i think there's got to be in the moment an element you can pull out from the pages inside and if if you haven't got that moment i'd be concerned more about yeah. the interior of the comic yeah yeah it, do, it doesn't always have to tell you know, to give you a snapshot as well. Uh, the Walking Dead. I mean, we've talked about that many times. There were so many covers of that, which were symbolic to something that was going to happen, mm. like you know, just a gun to someone's head. You might not necessarily see that specific panel in the book, but you got a sense of something that was happening, didn't you? That made you want to read storytelling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you need it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and zombies. I think that's a genre that. Of all of the horror ones in terms of covers, the covers can get a bit samey. Is it just me, yeah. or is it just like? I think well, sometimes they are a bit brighter than some of the, you know, like the ghost mm, ones or the yeah. witch ones or stuff like that, which I didn't mind so much. Yeah, I was kind of like looking through some of the horror covers today, and like the Marvel zombies coming up, and it's like they're homaging every single zombie film, and it's like this doesn't appeal to me. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm done with the homages appeal. to the the one that got me recently is that I think you recommended it, Vince. First issue, I've read the first three. Is is it Phantom Road, that one? Yeah, yeah. And 
I went to buy the next issue and I couldn't for the life of me work out what the next issue was because the, the covers are so similar. Yeah. First cover was um, great, but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, they just seem the same almost. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's like if you laid your comic, your comic series one next to another, there should be, for me, like not a jarring change between each issue, yeah. but such a massive a contrast. So they're not just all tonally very similar. And you're like, okay. Just, yeah. Yeah, you need, to, you need to be careful with that, even if you've got like some sort of format. Just say you had you had a book where, you know, you got you got a six issue series, and for each of those six issues, you've got a a different one of the main characters' face front and center. Um, I think the Wicked and the Divine did that for like a bunch of issues, didn't it? Back in the day, God knows. Remember. Yeah, <laughs> um, but just say you, you had that, and it's a different character. You've still got there's still got to be a story there, isn't it? There's still there's still got to be a reason for that being the cover. I think that's something that maybe we don't say when we talk about covers. It has to be a cover for a reason. Otherwise, why is it there? why is it there? Otherwise, you just Whereas yeah. it's, it's a strange you beast from across the room. Yeah, yeah, because like how 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 strong are the covers got to be for people to pick him up? It's you're basically in a cover in the middle of 400 other covers. You got yeah. to be noticeable. Yeah. 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 There was, I mean, I'm, I've got my sort of comicsology sort of library. So I, I, I open in front of me and there's some series because what usually happens is I buy an issue and then I'm like, this is really good. I'm going to buy the next three or four issues. So you, I can see a bunch of covers in a line next to each other. And I remember when I got the, the alien adaption. Do you remember I, I talked about that? The original script adaption yeah. thing. Yeah. And I can see what they're going for with the design of those covers. But it doesn't really... You see them next to each other and they're just very much... There's nothing really that jumps out. There's no... Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're some nice art. It looks twisted. It looks a bit creepy. Um, but there's nothing there. But And it's not a horror comic, but... A lot of those yeah. alien covers, especially the more recent series, look like they're aping movie posters. Yeah. yeah, and they yeah. can't do it because it's got to be. It's out every month. You got to draw your eye to it. It's got to be attention seeking. It's got to be action. It's got to be interesting. Yeah, and just that sort of, you know, it's almost like almost too design heavy for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's another a couple of series here. I mean, I mean, it's not horror, but Parker Girls. Obviously, I went on tangent and just read all of that that series. But each cover's different. It's an individual story cover. And um, another one here, Plush. We used to talk about the covers when we were talking about Plush as it was coming out. The interesting, oh, the cover of the next one looks, you know, what the hell's going on there? That's kind of what you want, isn't it? You want a punchy yeah, a, a sort of question, you know, to get the people hooked and in. You know, if you've got a nice issue one cover, yeah, you can use it for the trade, you know. So some of the best horror covers I, I've seen, usually that I remember them, and they're sure enough, they're the cover of the trade. I can't yeah. remember. I can't remember issue two or three or four. You know, um, the nice house on the lake. Absolutely love that issue one cover. Um, don't know if you remember it. There's a, a sort of female. She's her sort of top of her nose and her eyes are poking out of a lake. Essentially, you know, it's like she's just rising from a lake, but it's full of bones. She's surrounded by skeletons. And there's a sort of a, a sunset in the background that you can only just see. Hugely striking image. You know, I remember th seeing that and just think, oh, I want to read that book. And sure enough, I did. Let it down the line. But I can't, I can't tell you what the other covers look <laughs> like. There's a lot of that going on at the moment. Yeah. I think especially at DC, a lot of um, James Tynan's books are 
very samey covers, man. I'd be all over them, but I could never figure out what I've read and what I haven't. Yeah, that's a shame. Feels like yeah. they kind of need a, a real a, a style for each one that makes yeah, it but, stand out from the other. But do you remember buying, I don't know, 2000 AD or Battle Action every week? And you'd know, wouldn't you? Yeah. Mm. Fair yeah. way. Yeah. 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 What helped with those um, sort of books, those, those classic sort of books, is because they were anthologies. They could just whack a different cover on the character. Yeah, I mean, cover. even Spider-Man Weekly was the same. You know, you yeah. know what you always knew. Yeah. Um, but you'd see, like, you know, I mean, Spider-Man would always be there, different villain. On that, you know, so you knew. Oh, I know where I am with this one. I yeah. haven't bought this one already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I'm I'm rewriting all my sort of and cataloging all my comics here at the moment as a little project, and um, I've had to leave forty pages in this notebook just for Batman titles. Bloody it's hell. not. It's not just because you can't remember which issue you're on. You can't remember which bloody comic you're reading. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell! Bloody hell! Yeah. Um, but I mean, I I'm always intrigued by a, a comic book cover, especially a horror book comic book cover. Um, I find also, I, I gotta say it. Sometimes horror comic book covers, the inside. It doesn't live up to the brilliance of the no. cover that you get. Well, that's always that's always been a big yeah. thing with horror comics, isn't it? Yeah. And and God bless them. Look at some of the beautiful, amazing artwork we saw on stuff like eerie, creepy, heavy metal. Yeah, you know, um, House of Mystery, uh, EC. Sometimes you think, oh, okay, you get, especially you House of Mystery on and the House. Cover you get a frisette yeah. on the cover. How yeah. can you how can you live up to that? Yeah, it's a bit like a paperback cover, wasn't it? They were a bit like that sort of thing, weren't they? These amazing yeah. pieces of art. We used to get that with House of Mystery and House of Secrets and Ghosts and stuff at DC. You get this like massive O. Henry moment on the cover, and it kind of often wouldn't live up to it inside. Mm. Often it would, you know, some great stuff. But sometimes you think, oh, that's a shame. Mm. That cover's so iconic. Mm. Do yeah. you think a horror cover, um, depending on your story, like? It needs to be quite strikingly different. Even if it's the same artist, I just want to try and get this right. It's the same artist doing the interiors as who's doing the cover. Um, but the cover should be strikingly different enough to catch your eye so it doesn't look like more of the same when you're opening the book. Does uh, that I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I sort of think I'm rewinding to the jock witches stuff there because there, there was very much a thematic art going all the way through it but there was no not necessarily a differentiation between the cover and the art whereas for me i always think a cover <laughs> should it should pop do you know what i mean it should be the it should always be the calling card it, it's the business card for a comic isn't it really mm. it is the. i think it's got to be horses for courses on that mm. yeah i think you've got to take it on a case-by-case basis like we we are fans. I think I'm saying this right. We are fans yeah. of the same comic artist on the cover as the interior. Totally. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you feel a bit fooled, don't you? You know. You yeah. go, I mean, oh. they seem to have been moving yeah. more and more away from that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Someone the other day was calling. Would be great if the interior artist had a shot at doing the cover. But the cover game for comics now seems to be just to generate money. The, the interior seems to yeah. be. I mean, a buy secondary. A, buy a Vampirella comic, and there's thirty different variants. Um, yeah. 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 But um, I mean, and I. I I know what you're saying, Tony. I totally, I totally agree. Um, but when it comes to doing the cover, you know, sh- sh- there's, there's, there's got to be a bit of a thought to make it, not make it different from the inside. But you know, I always think, find like you, you grab a moment from the interior mm-hmm. and you give it a twist. Mm. Yeah. 
to me that's kind of so you get that iconic moment where you know i don't know the punisher's looking down his scope at spider-man or something you know and you give it on the cover you give it a dramatic twist yeah yeah no something like that yeah yeah Yeah, i agree yeah yeah definitely yeah totally what what do you think doesn't work when uh, in in some horror covers that we've seen we don't have to name well i mean i can't think of any that i would name in shame but you know if some covers we've seen doesn't really work for a horror cover it's not doing the book justice uh too dark too dark so it's you know it's, it's a lovely bit of artwork mate well done but it's just not a cover i think people need to say that occasionally to people okay yeah, yeah. um we just can't really make out what it is there's a load of black covers with yeah. just you know just small images and stuff like that it's all very clever but just don't work as a cover i also um, on the other side of that um i'm thinking about some of the the crazy sort of um Avatar Press, you remember the the sort of um, Jason Burroughs yeah, sort of covers? Yeah, love them, but that so much line work that is too much. That I think sense? the Jose Van Rip thing, Jose Rip stuff. Yeah, depends it's, how focused it is on that. If it's just a mess of backgrounds as well, the super yeah. DR backgrounds sometimes. Um, sometimes I've seen his stuff and now I'm in awe of it. Sometimes it makes me feel ill. So I don't <laughs> want to look at this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of the best work he's done for ages is on the current Wolverine book. Okay. It's much really? more focused. Yeah. 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 I didn't mm. know he's doing that. Yeah. It's really good. Um, we've picked out a couple of covers. We, we've had, we've picked um, one each, and we've got a, a special mention that we're going to talk about as well. Mm. Um, like some classic horror covers. And certainly, please, when you hear this episode, con- continue the, the discussion on the Slack, on social media. Shout out some of your favorites. Um, but we picked one each. Shall we do the the classic one at the end? Just sort of say, okay, okay. here's one of the one of the values. Who who wants to go first? Only go first, Fee. Okay. Yeah. I picked a more recent book. Um, I think when we were picking them, they're, they're, we've gotten from different sort of um, areas of time. I think. Uh, yeah, I gave myself stuff. certain rules. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, and mine was just because I was just thinking a horror cover that just completely grabbed me, and I couldn't stop staring at it. Um, and it is from the series The Plot, and it's uh, the cover of issue two of The Plot. If you don't know that, that who published that? Was that um, Aftershock? Was that Aftershock? I can't remember. It's bloody. Um, I'm not sure. It looks like a cover of theirs. Yeah, and uh, it's a very strike. It's a sort of a very. I mean, it is a dark cover but um, of like blackened water with a female face just she looks like they're about to be dragged underwater so they're only their sort of their cheeks and and the water's going into her mouth and she's sort of looking up and you can see a look of fear quite clearly that's front and center the look of fear in the eyes and there's the detail of the hair sort of floating on the, the surface of the water but from the water, there are these clawed, bony, witch-like lots of hands that seem to be rising up to grab this person. Um, that's been one of my favourite covers for years, actually. So when I was thinking about it, you know, I had to think, oh, should I just Google classic horror covers, you know, of which you'll just get a lot of Tales from the Crypt stuff, which is amazing. But this, for me, and I do see what you mean, Tony, in terms of like darkness, but for this, the darkness told a story. No, it's got a central bright image you can make from across the room, that one. And the black water as well. You know, the black is the liquid, and it just looks, you know, it's 
it's a moment of terror. Um, that is also, as I was saying, it's it's a moment that you may not necessarily see in the book, but is symbolic that makes you think that that mm. is a horror image. That is a scary. Yeah. It is a scary image. Can you imagine? It, you know, because sometimes when it comes to horror, we live vicariously through the people who are running away from the evil. There is always the what would you do in that situation? Oh God, if that was me, you know, whether you, uh, if that was me, I'd just kick him in the face. Stupid clown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think any moment when a piece of art can make you think that would be terrifying if I was in, you know, I don't know what the story is behind that, but that's a nightmare scenario. Um, and yeah, so the plot number two, we'll put, well, obviously we'll put these on the, that was, that was my pick. I'm just going to, uh, just going to make sure I get the artist right. So if anyone, um, cause I don't want to miss that out. So who wants to go next? On Dan, you go. I think mine. Mine one's a bit of a strange one. It's I, I've got like a folder on my computer of all these little images that I've sort of taken from somewhere that I really liked, and I remember this one because we were talking about it. It's from the Lazarus Chronicles issue one by uh, an artist called Bud Root, who's kind of very kind of uh, Arthur Politics Adams centric. Kind of yeah, I didn't realise <laughs> yeah. he was kind of. Uh, Is it Cave a, Woman? Is that the name of his comic? Yes, yeah. uh, uh, he's a bit of a good girl artist. Uh, yeah. And in this one, there's kind of like a, an oversized zombie who's kind of lazily about to bite into this young girl's head as she's desperately trying to claw away from him. And uh, when I first saw it years ago, I, this issue came out in like 20, 2006. Right. So that's 20 years old. I remember seeing the cover thing. That's horrible. And like th- there's the expression on the zombie's face, which is really kind of this like, I'm doing this now and not bothered <laughs> yeah. by it. But the girl's absolutely like crying and tearful. And it just stuck me. I was like, "It's a great image, that." Yeah, it's yeah. horrible. And uh, but yeah, I picked that comic up and read it. I've just been looking at it on eBay actually to see what the comic's like. Maybe I get it. Yeah, he's a bit of a sort of underground hero, isn't he? Because he's he kind of just I think he got turned down by DC or Marvel or someone, didn't he? He tried to show them, and they went, "No, son, no." <laughs> and uh, he just sort of went his own way. I think he's a bit of an indie comics legend. Yeah, isn't he? he's yeah. kind of like I can see if we like doing that. The Jungle Girl was it. Cavewoman, Cavewoman, that's it. Yeah. There's quite a lot of issues of that, so it's kind of like a bit like uh, our guest from a couple of weeks ago, Terry Moore, like just kind of went his own way, did his own thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not as had much success. Beautiful but... line work though, as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah so, so good. There's the... that cover's got a touch of the Wrightson about it for me as yes. well with the monster. Oh, so, face. so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. the kind of the, the the face is all fucked up and offset, and eyes are not looking in the same direction. Yeah, and sort of tongues kind of like licking the side of the head is about chomped down all been there yeah god Hor- yeah. horrible it's horrible. again that might nightmare scenario isn't it it's that moment two seconds after that that cover yeah what's gonna you know that was gonna that happen horrific um joshua hickson was uh okay cool H- yeah it was the artist of the plot i don't want to leave that out just in case i don't want anyone shouting at me yeah. i um, think it's that classic thing as well like where you're loading up the like we said about the storytelling loading up this is just about to happen it's weird that because yeah. the one we're going to talk about later the event has happened yeah, yeah. and we're yeah. looking at the aftermath of it which is quite grisly but a lot of these comics you see the moments preceding something absolutely fucking horrible happening and like, oh god and you want to find out yeah yeah totally mm. Yeah, sometimes yeah. It, they're just moments in time, aren't they? Again, it's storytelling, man, is what yeah, it's doing. It's exactly. telling you a story in that one image that makes yeah. you interested to buy it. Yeah. You know, like you've been looking for it on eBay, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
And like it's, certainly, if, if it's probably like, not even in the comic that scene, <laughs> no. might not be. Yeah, yeah. Very, very good chance it won't be. Like a lot of eerie and creepy covers. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they got my money, so it's too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sometimes it's worth it for the cover. Sometimes I don't mind buying a comic because I just love the cover so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's totally that, and certainly, um, I would say that um, the variant cover business is is what it is. Be- Probably because of a lot of that, I would imagine. And in the case of dynamite, people like boobs. Yeah. I mean, try stupid... and try, just go and buy a, a Vampirella cover. I dare yeah. you. You know, stupid stuff like the cat variants and cosplay variants. So okay, if you want to get that, man, that's on you. But yeah, yeah. And they do like um, like Marvel comics do Sonic or something. I'm like, man, no, that's just rinsing someone's wallet. Yeah. 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 Um, Tony. Yeah, my one. So I set some, as I said earlier, I set some rules out for myself because it would be easy for me because a massive EC fan. Um, I, I, about a couple of years ago, I did a, a pod about Bernie Krigstein and EC with Eamon and I just, I read all of EC and I loved it. Absolutely beautiful. Mm. Um, and I'm also a Warren fan. I mean, also, um, the DC horror books, I think particularly a very good house, mystery house of, um, secrets, stuff like that. So I thought, no, I'm going to do a modern book, see how well they do it today. And I'm going to limit myself to, um, the big two. Um, Mm -hmm. and almost the big two use horror in different ways than you would get from just, you know, an avatar book or something like that. You just want to see you eating brains or something, you know? Um, so using the using the horror aesthetic in in a, a mainstream production and this but warnings this series comes from is is dog shit this is a dog shit comic series but the covers <laughs> and the art by carl holtz are fucking outstanding and you will understand why i say it's a dog shit series so this is um man thing the 2004 three issue comic series from marvel comics um this will this will make you realize why it's a prequel to the movie Written by the writer of the movie. Okay. If anyone's seen the movie, <laughs> yeah. I've not seen uh, the movie. Sorry, I just, yeah. Sorry, I just felt a little bit sick. Got yeah. Sick in your mouth. Man thing barely appears in this comic. Yeah. He, he almost he barely appears until you get to issue three. It, it's but, totally like, like the cover you picked is like it, the cover betrays the reader. Absolutely, completely. Yeah. But because I'm on this big Carl Holtz um, kick at the moment, look, I posted some of his stuff on the Slack today, and people comment on it. The it, it, this cover makes it right for me. Now it does. It's a single. It's a single image of um, the man thing creature, but with subtle changes that allow for storytelling, which is interesting. It's fucking beautiful so, cover. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and as we all know, I, I think he's done this cover, and then they've gone, "Oh fuck, we've got to add the title of the comic somewhere." I think there is a bit of that because <laughs> yeah, they sort yeah, of cram yeah. it down the bottom. Don't they? Yeah. Um, but as we as we all know, what knows fear burn? What knows fear burns that the man things touch? Um, and what they they've incorporated within the body of the man thing, um, who's been used in so many different ways. I mean, he was in the Thunderbolts at one point, you know, all these sort of different ways he's been used, you know, since Gerber wrote his brilliant series about him. Um, is they've inc- incorporated the faces and the skeletons of the people who have burned at his touch with like fright masks on them, almost like f- their faces in, 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 in twisted fear. Yeah. And I really like that. I think that tells a story that is fucking so much more interesting than the comic um but it just that's there's a storytelling to it there's an icon iconography to it that just is immediate um 
it's it's beautifully told as a single person image sort of thing um and it's also a poster that i would put on my wall totally um i it's think bo- it's, it's I think also it's body horror complete body horror yeah it's yeah. It, it's uh you know we're seeing ribs we're seeing you know it's gore without gore isn't it it's that it is yeah um, yeah and it, it talks about the story by yeah. just that single thing that happens on the cover the, the honestly I, what they were thinking of is with this comic i don't know but why cole holtz isn't doing a legion of monsters ongoing or something like that werewolf by night type thing um i don't know but yeah. uh he's he's brilliant he is a brilliant ravencroft artist. series he did the covers for that mm. which is an interesting enough series uh, the um demolition man's in it but the, he um he did all the covers for it he's done some other marvel works recently a sort of kind of horror tinged cap and falcon story which came out recently um but yeah i just really like that cover it's I'm, a, it's i actually a cover might buy as well it. that you will just keep staring at um yeah th- and i've i've been staring at it for a couple of minutes now right and like you say tony this there's so many little details you know the bones the moss d- just the the organic horror going on now one of the figures they obviously have that sort of uh screaming death face um and it looks like and we're seeing lots of roots tendrils etc you know almost like veins around this creature there's some there's it looks like a snake traveling into this guy's mouth right yeah rather than a root i've been staring at this trying to find the snake's head yeah it could well be because he's in it's from the bio isn't there there's yeah there's snakes and stuff they're around there i think that's fine so I'm going to have to come back to this because if I keep looking at this, we'll never get the rest of the show done. <laughs> but I'm sure there's a snakehead on here. <laughs> I, I, I like the, and just the red eyes set it off. If I was going to be, if I was going to quibble, I think on a digital read, the background is a little plain. I'd have, I'd have made it much richer, blood red in the background. Mm. That's the I'd have been, I'd have intended to go for like a blue. Okay, but then like the the eyes a cold blue, and then you got the red, yeah, yeah. The heat yeah, of the okay. eyes making pop. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful image there. Hmm. Wow. Okay. One of my favourite characters as well, so that's kind of one of the reasons I went for yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. That's a good shout, man. Yeah. Marvel Knights as well. There you go. Marvel Knights series. Yeah, classic. They didn't do badly, did they? Yeah. Um, before we go on and uh, talk about the classic, um, put a quick shout out to um, just just on the socials. And Lee Grice, uh, lovely Lee Grice, hello Lee, uh, he immediately replied, because we said, what makes a good horror comic cover? And he said, eyes and teeth. <laughs> and he's, he's not normally with a lot of horror covers. You do get a lot of that. Um, he's, because there is the, the fear in someone's eyes or the teeth of the monster. And uh, yeah. he, he posted a, a couple of examples. One of them is the cover to a Rawhead Rex um, graphic novel from Eclipse. Remember that, remember that film? Oh, he's, look, he's written that. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, indeed. They really changed the monster in that because it's basically just like a great big giant knob running around. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Um, and the cover of that, that, cover of that is, <laughs> is just a load of teeth. There is this. This gave me giallo-like vibes actually because I think it reminds yeah, me. Yeah, I get that. that. A Suspiria yeah. image. There's a cover of Misty um, from First of July, 1978. Um, the day the sky grew dark but it's just a, a classic sort of image of a frightened female figure but there's a there is a that classic frame from suspiria isn't it does that make sense that it kind of it's got that kind of look of fear in her eyes that's a great 
sort of cover. There's a there's a misty cover as well. Um, another one which is the little white dot, which Lee actually said when he was a kid gave him nightmares. Uh, <laughs> um, this this was pre ring, pre everything else. A, a creature reaching out of a TV towards someone who has fallen asleep. Um, that's a great that that's a great classic sort of image. That artwork as well, sort of reminiscent to like the sort of the horror mar- the Marvel sort of horror style. Yeah, especially of the the sort of vampiric like character, and he also uh, a cover that I've spoken about on the on the show once before, which was the issue one of a series called Colder, which is which haunted me <laughs> for the longest time. I couldn't stop looking at, it. and the series is just really weird, weird, um, and it's like a, a figure literally reaching their face, their their hand under their under their lip and like they're touching like their eyeball you've got to see it for yourself it's it is a horrific image and a, a brilliant example of a striking horror concept that you probably won't see in the book but makes you think what the fuck that i've never forgotten that cover um and uh mike powell he mike, said if you look at his um twitter he was at uh, bristol oh okay there you go and uh yeah. certainly um he replied, what makes a good horror cover? And he said, any of these? And you can just see the man thing. Nice bit of man thing there. There's, well, a, there's a giant-sized <laughs> man thing in that picture as well, interestingly. Oh, uh, There's Cryptoterra, Weird Science, Swamp Thing, Tomb of Dracula, Giants. There's, um, is it Shock? There's Ghostly Horns. Witching Hour, uh, Monster Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Tomb Basi- Dracula. Basically the old classics. And what a yeah. beautiful selection of comics that is. And speaking of classics, the one we wanted to sort of end, sort of dovetail this conversation with um i think it goes without saying it was one you brought up dan immediately and is almost one of the classic when you think about horror covers or a shocking moment it's got to be you know if we were doing an mtv top 10 surely this has got to be in there somewhere it's got to be in there Hmm. yeah which one is it then it's the uh crime suspense stories number 22 with the Tony, you mentioned the artist because we've been on Tony this. Craig, the, yeah, yeah, we've been on this before, and it's the one where the you, the, the woman's severed head. We well, don't know if it is severed because it, the cover implies that, but you don't actually see any kind of wound on her. Oh, she's got a, she's looking kind of outward and a mouse drooling, yeah. and there's a body on the bottom. But it's the the storytelling there. The guy's got a bloody axe holding her head up, and the body's underneath. It's like it could be just another person laying there. That like, could be just she's kind of. Do, do you know what I mean? It's all it's all implied. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it didn't imply it, and you know, it didn't do it subtle enough that the book didn't get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. As was quoted in the hearings, wasn't it? I know Gaines. Gaines gave evidence, didn't he? I think you can hear the recording of it. You can find it online of Gaines's uh, testimony at the hearing in relation to horror comics and crime comics and that stuff, which host- obviously was the downfall of EC. Yeah. That whole seduction of the innocent was absolutely a, a massive pile of was, crap. It, yeah, it was. It was. It, it, he basically just found a load of street kids and said, "Oh, you know, we were like troubled anyway," and said, "Oh, the comics make you violent." And they went, "Yeah, job then, done. Write yeah. that up, son." Yeah. Ipso facto. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. everyone read comics, it. including yeah. the fucking the troublesome kids that he bumped it. You know, um, Angus Khan. He loved comics. That's where he slightly broke <laughs> across Asia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck's um, sake. Yeah, Gaines gave evidence about about this, but allegedly was on um um what do you call it um 
uh, thinning tablets, not thinning tablets, um, fasting tablets, you know, diet tablets and uh, amphetamine type things and didn't really make much sense. Um, but they talk about the amount of blood that's on the axe and stuff like that. It's an interesting one. Johnny Craig was, you know, a mainstay at EC along with a lot of other people. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 there's quite an interesting history just to discover and the amount of blood right. on the axe and where the head's held and, you know, what it says and whether it brought them down. But, you know, there, there were some there were some covers similar to this, but this, I think, was one of the ones that was picked out and discussed. Yeah, it's fair play because it's a point of image. But like I said earlier, you usually see before the moment's happened, this is after yeah horrific event presumably has taken place and you're like oh okay yeah and when you look at it i mean two th- a third of it is titles if not more slightly more yeah yeah but it's not gonna like you've got the girls the woman's skirt is slightly ruffled and pulled up and then like the axe menacingly hanging over her the, the guy's groin right overpowering it's there's a lot of yeah there's symbology uh, going on in this yeah there's the, what freud would make of that where he's holding the axe and where his hand yeah. is and yeah there's a lot of that going on there isn't there yeah wherever faces and can start right by his genitals it's like yeah there's there's you don't have to be an absolute wally to look at this image and see that it's absolutely loaded to the gills with uh symbology and mm. yeah forget yeah. homage would they do a cover like this now i think nope. they probably would do you think you reckon uh i reckon no way from one of the the, the bigger companies. Oh, right. oh yeah, no, I, 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 I don't. I don't think. Obviously, you're not going to get it from any of the the big publishers. But certainly, who's your mates um, who do all the horror stuff? They did Giallo, a comic called Giallo. Oh, Hellbound. Hellbound uh, yeah. would do. Yeah. It. Yeah. I think they'd do it, wouldn't they? Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. Them, them Joe, Joey Oliveira would probably do it. Yeah, yeah. Afterlight Comics and Hellbound Media. I think they're pretty much both untouchable in the UK indie scene. Into they're the guiding lights of horror for me. Yeah. Um, certainly as publishers as well, concentrated horror publishers. Um, yeah, there are. I don't know. I, it's, it's an interesting question. I, I, I think, I think publishers would and have done similar sort of covers, but sometimes they're so. I think the difference is print runs, uh, readership. Who's going to see it? You know, how many people saw this book back in the day? Compared to, I don't know, you just... That was a newsstand spam, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 A lot of people Whereas seen you it. just, you know, your small press, your photocopy in your book and you've got a horrific image on your cover, you may not incur the wrath of of 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've, clo- they've closed the doors now, haven't they? The Comics Code. They've done now. Yeah. They've closed down, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit of a toothless beast. As far as I went that way, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Although I don't think um, Kevin O'Neill would agree with you, but no, he got but for I, his I, style, I think yeah. it's also that's ridiculous. Just, <laughs> I know, yeah, it's just ridiculous. I think also, like, just as society evolves, we become numb to a lot of these things. Anyway, um, you know, the stuff that was shocking, banned everywhere. You watch it now, and you're just like, hey, eh? because. Well, you know, it's hard because you can see videos. You can go online and see videos, like social media videos of people actually getting killed. So when you've got like a kind of a we got a live streaming from Ukraine, gore, yeah, you know, so. you've got some gory pictures. It's like, well, mate, what's this compared to reality? It's the shock value when we were kids, and we would talk about fucking out. Have you seen what's just happened in that comic? Or you yeah. know, we managed to see some video nasty or something. It's there is an element of it's gone now because all you got to do is press two buttons and you. You're looking at all sorts on the internet, aren't you? I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. The real world is far more horrific. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Anyway, see some of the porn. <laughs> <we look at. laughs> so, um, yeah, 
I think keep surprising us, horror creators. Keep keep doing stuff that's going to entice us. Get you know get us to read your books. Um, certainly, this week I've you know I I picked a few books. One of them had a better cover than the story on the inside. Okay. Um, and the other one, I loved. I absolutely loved the story. I, I love it as a whole. But maybe the cover could have been a bit punchier. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It, it, it's interesting sometimes that, and we've said this before. Sometimes uh, when it, when we recommend a book, you know, it's a, it's a shame that the cover doesn't do the amazingness that's within the pages justice. Yeah. Um, so it can it's work the VHS cover, isn't it? It yeah. sells a story in your head, and then when you you get inside, it's, oh, it doesn't deliver. Yeah. yeah. Um, but one thing, another thing that we have been doing mm. is um, is the eerie books. Right, we've been looking at this before we get onto the shout-outs. Seeing as we're on on the old school comics vibe, you know, we're talking about EC, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, before we get onto our shout-outs and recommendations, we of course have been going through the old spooky collections, that that insane humble bundle collection that will um, probably freeze up your computer when you download it if you um, because they. That's what I'm yeah. they, I did yeah. get a message and you're running low on storage space. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so apologies to anyone who snapped up that humble bundle. We hope you got some USBs <laughs> or some like some storage. I was trying to transfer it. mine into my Dropbox, and it was just taking so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's purely because these are big, amazing collections of classic, completely comics. uncompressed files, completely like... uncompressed. Um, so one of them is like one point eight gig, I believe, <laughs> just just for one book. Um, but we. We're going through some of these old spooky books because of the uh, because Tony couldn't get it to work properly. He's he's gone for another Warren publication. Yeah, I've gone. Yeah. Shall I do my own first then? So yeah, because yeah. we're picking we're picking a story for all of October. We're picking a little tale, a little short that we've read that enjoyed, and just we just want to um, talk yeah. about it a little bit. Yeah. So and uh, so eerie and creepy are both members of the warren family of comics mm-hmm. as was um, or magazines you had to call yeah. them magazines because that way they got they didn't get caught by the comics code or well, the same as vampirella actually and there's another one which was quite a short-lived one called 1984 1984 it's called um and so i i was sitting there watching my computer trying to fucking not die and i had a long box next to me a magazine box and i thought oh i got a Warren magazine there what's that oh it's 1984 i'll just do that that seems easier to me so mm-hmm. i can't turn my computer off gave it a cuddle and read this um, and the story I'm picking is, uh, so it's issue five. Have a look at 1984 issue five listeners and you guys, cause the cover's like really good. It's like, um, it looks like something out of Nightbreed to me Nice. when you see it. Um, have you got it on your computer or should I send you a picture of it? So give oh, me the title I, again. I, yeah. I think, I think you sent us a picture of it. Yeah. It looks 1984 issue five. I'll send it, I'll send it to you now anyway. Mm. But yeah, so it's, um, in it for all intents and purposes it's the same magazine but without the same um crypt keeper kind of characters you know okay yeah um but yeah so it's um i was reading through this and i thought oh this is great there's um oh i think i accidentally sent the wrong kind of thing there but yeah no worries. so it's um the story i've chosen is i wonder who's squeezing her now um and it's uh, written by nicola cootie pencils by ernie collin inks by wally wood I had a little read into this, and um, it actually was created in 71. This is 76. So created in 71 by um, that team for a magazine that never came out, a magazine that was going to be called, believe it or not, PAL in the States. And um, 
they decided to use it. Warren took it on and used it because they were these guys were Warren guys. Um, the pencils came through, and the way they describe it is the pencils were very soft. Um, I don't know whether he's using like a 4B or something, but it was almost like thumbnails. Because if you look at this, it very much is early 70s Wally Wood. Hmm. Um, if you go, because Wally Wood, I think he died 81, was it? I think <clears throat> Wally Wood's like the most interesting comics creator out there. But he had a sort of slow decline into pretty into into madness, as he would describe it. And he drew a lot of erotic stuff towards the end. So this is kind of earlier. So this has that illustrative, old school, post-DC, Warren kind of era. It's almost like a Mad Men quality to the way people are dressed in this. Um, and it's, um, it's a story of a hardworking man. He goes in the office every day. He works. He's hard put upon in the office. He puts a shirt and tie and goes goes in every day. And he's got this beautiful blonde wife who looks down on him. And he suspects her of fooling around um, behind his back with much more successful, richer men. One day he comes home and he finds loose change in the marital bed. And um, and he has an argument with her because it's clearly fallen out of the pockets. <laughs> bloke has been lying <laughs> yeah. in their bed with her, you know. Um <laughs> And he has this massive argument and they fall out and it's looking like he's not going to be able to see his kids and he's going to have to pay her money for the rest of their life. So he buys a gun and he goes to the house to kill her. And um, this is apparently where um, Cootie and Wood had an argument because Wood wanted the ending of this to be where he just shoots them all and kills them all. Um, I think that was fairly Wood style. <laughs> I think I don't think he was uh, quite right in the head at the time. And um, but Cutie talked him around, and what actually happens is he goes around the house and he looks through the window of this house. He's a his house that he's not allowed to go into anymore, and um, he sees the new boyfriend like having a go at her for having an affair with someone else, <laughs> and he thinks, "All right, there you go. Um, that's sort of karma for you." And he throws the gun into the river and calls up a woman he fancies out of the office and go and arranges to meet her. And that's kind of the end of it. So it's, it's got that little, still got an O. Henry thing, but it's not quite violent in the end there. It's not quite quite nihilistic. But just gorgeous, solid, black and white. Wood, I mean, Wood's hailed as one of the greats. And right when you see stuff like this, you think gorgeous, black and white on a big magazine page like you get with it, eerie and uh, creepy. Um, loads of images brilliant facial acting a look of desperation would draw so well in this you know he's, he's just forced into this desperate corner to get this gun and go and kill people um i got mine out straight message second mention for them strange apparitions i think it only cost me two quid this magazine um it's a bit dog-eared but i think a lot of the you know the old school eeries and creepies are going to be yeah uh, it's just yeah. marvelous just a marvelous bit of storytelling um nice. like 2000 ad creators will always tell you you can tell if someone can write if they can tell a story in six pages yeah um and and these guys could yeah really really interesting and a nice one to sort of read into a bit as well you know mm. yeah that's nice. my first one eh? that's my one for that one nice my what about one, you guys uh my one is from volume three of the eerie archives um page 52 art by larry warramay script by ron white this is a, a a little story called Big Change. I noticed in some of these volumes, some of the we we've talked about like they're four to six pages, but some of the stories do get a lot longer, don't they? As yeah, it can be, can't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they also can be pretty wordy sometimes. Just, just yeah. to let you know, when you go into like some of these archives, they can be pretty wordy comics, which sometimes okay. works, sometimes doesn't. Have you, have you found that Dan as as you've been going through? 
Yeah, sometimes I, I start reading one and it's like, oh, this one doesn't work for me. Yeah. And I just skip on. Yeah. That's, there's so much, though. There's so much. That's the beauty of it. So um, many different styles on show rad art as well. Yeah. You know, it just uh, there's there's some some people in there, you know, like the Paul Neary stuff is really intricate lines. And then you get stuff like the Wally Wood stuff, which is just basic meat and potatoes storytelling. You know, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And, and like this one, you know, I mean, we talked talked about like you know how the older artists sort of mess about with panels or you know they're doing some interesting stuff they couldn't necessarily do on some of their bigger work um this one um is actually a more more sort of formula because it's a story called big change and uh i i one thing i do love about these eerie books as well is the little introduction that they have yeah. from the yeah. yeah and this one says ever wonder what happened to all those third-rate crooks who never quite made it in the big time crime groovy ghouls and groovy ghouls you ask them that's that's a real of its time moment yeah Here, here's a baleful tale about two such types who got tired of being flops and decided it's time for a big change it's the classic crypt keeper type thing isn't it whenever you hear something like that because the tales from the crypt tv series and obviously the the books the comics they all had that kind of vibe don't they so hmm. and, and i've always been a fan of that so i think when i read those i'm, I'm already well, it's amazing those tales from the crypt series it's amazing how much they stayed to the stories from the ec comics so are based they, on they really yeah. did didn't they mm, yeah. yeah um and this one is about um a guy um who's in a wheelchair he, he it starts near the end before before we've just and um, there's this old guy in a wheelchair saying, my medicine, you must give me my medicine, please. And there's this, there's this young couple and they just seemingly laugh at him because he's sort of he's seemingly old and decrepit. He goes, you don't understand. And they're just, we're going, oh, you're, without your medicine, you'll die and your money goes to your wife and, and you know, and your wife goes to me, your money. It, these two crooks, basically, the, these lovers decided to try and get one over on an old, frail man who sort of he's got a lot of money lives it lives in a big estate house um they think they can just sort of like she she answers a job about being a maid so they become a maid and she she woos him eventually marries him and while the other guy is working as like a, a butler i think so they're just they just it's a classic story of these people who think they know what they're doing screwing someone over and it goes really badly <laughs> um, because it turns out that the medicine, you know, he goes off into a room and they think he's he's died. But the medicine was to... And I'm just going to spoil this one, folks. You, you should check it out because it's a lovely little story. But um, the medicine was to stop him turning into a werewolf. So he turns into a werewolf and kills them. <laughs> and I was like, get in. I just love it. It's simple. It's a simple classic little tale, this one. There's just got a. It's, it's the style is um, lovely line line work is some ink ink washes. The artist I've never really heard of the artist before. Larry Warramay. Have you um, either of you guys heard of this? Not really? No. Yeah. This, this is the one that no, you talked about, this. Dan. Yeah, I was going to say I mentioned this one last week, Vince. Oh, was this? <laughs> it's this one. <laughs> but to be fair, it's a great one. It's a cracker. Yeah. It's yeah, like out for me. because it's the werewolf thing. That's why you've chosen it again. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, because the one afterwards is a Gene Colan story. Oh, nice. Um, which or Eugene Colan, which I know. Is, yeah, uh, see, that's yeah. pretty much the same person. Which is actually mm, good one. Yeah. And the reason I noticed this is because we had like a vampire, a werewolf, and a vampire story. Dan, when you read it, did you notice that the big? <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. Like I like, I like the art. 
But the people all like, all had really big chins. <laughs> I didn't really notice it at the time. Just go back and look at it. They've got like really like really massive chins. Really massive, <laughs> massive chins. What made me laugh about the entire story is like he's just about to say something about his medicine and he's always getting interrupted. It happens yeah. over and over. Yeah. If I don't take my medicine, I'll and they're like, oh, it don't matter. I will yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it does have that. It's that. It's got that lovely rhythm though, isn't it? Of a, a, yeah. It's that classic, classic Tales from the Crypt type story. Um, when I was, I going, wasn't sure the ending. What, what's he suggesting? Are we actually have quite a lot of him people around now? So I'm going to have some more around. But is that is that nefarious? Like, yeah. It's yeah, it is that sort of. Um, I think that just plays into the whole. Oh, you know, there's more horror to come, kind of thing. Mm. Even though I didn't feel, because you kind of, the people get what You're they deserve, him. don't they? Yeah, yeah. The good, the good guy wins. The good guy just happens to be a bloodthirsty monster. Yeah, who kills people horribly. I don't know, um, you know this, but the um, I was looking on the shelves at Gosh yesterday, and they've started releasing these archives in paperback. Oh, really? The okay. First, the, the first archive came out last week. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So I I about every four months, yeah. each one. Yeah. They're about twenty quid each. It's not too bad. Oh, yeah. It's not too bad. It's not yeah, bad. yeah. I've noticed that with a lot of these supernatural ones, uh, these stingers, and I'll bring up this this colon one because it was the other one I enjoyed. First Blood is called. That's a vampire tale, obviously. Right. But they all have the same sort of format of like someone who thinks they're getting one over on someone, hmm. and only in the last couple of panels do they realise actually I've screwed all this up. So I, th- I think a lot of these stories owe a lot to the noir movie concept yes. and novel concept because they've all got that uh you know there's these rules to noir aren't they about you know don't trust the woman you know they'll have someone over someone is after money you know there's almost like yeah. that thing going on in is isn't there you know yeah yeah like nobody's a good person almost yeah it is like you it's rare to feel sorry for someone in in a lot of these books yeah, isn't it, really? so yeah. in some way they've kind yeah. of deserved it yeah I was also surprised in this volume. It is this volume. I'm just scanning through. This volume has like an adaption of like Boris Karloff Mummy. Oh, book. okay. Like okay. It, by who? Um, that one is. Let's have a look. That is, Art Wallywood. Oh, there you go. Um, but it is pretty much tells the whole story in about eight pages, five, five or six pages. Um. That that is a real <laughs> economic use of, and the artwork's bloody beautiful on that actually. In terms of, just, oh, it's so good, man. The nails. Are so, 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 yeah. I can recommend if anyone is like into Wallywood or some or any of those EC guys. There's, I think it's only about thirty five quid. You can get. You know how when um, they do these artist editions, they do the oversized editions. They did a best of EC stories artisan edition, uh, which is the smaller version of the artist edition. It's only about thirty quid, but it's got the original pages in it. And it's got three stories by Wallywood in it as well. There's Johnny Craig, he's in it as well. Yeah. You know, all these people. It's well worth looking out. Yeah, yeah. highly recommended. I mean, I must say, Wally Wood was a um, name that I heard about in podcasts before really realizing. Yeah. That a lot of people know him because he did some Daredevil and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. What I love about these archives is like you see these artists. That one I talked about, the Gene Colan one, um, probably around the same time they're. they're doing some marvel work but doing something completely different and experimental with like panel layout and you know watercolors and ink washes mm. and stuff you can have an experiment can't you yeah it's, it's, it's yeah. fascinating to see it's <laughs> it's the craft all... on the page man yeah 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 it's it's almost like um now they're wise i understand me when i'm saying this everyone it's sometimes 
they become less comic book artists and more book illustrators, if that makes sense. There's there's a sort of there's a, it's almost like they they tap into another vein that sometimes they might have been restricted by the publishers they're working for. You know, that, there's that's... there's a bit of the, a lot of the covers for, for example, the Conan books, which are similar in in you know Conan the um the black and white Conan magazine, yeah, are similar. The is almost like the covers. You feel like the covers will be reused as paperback covers somewhere. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, you know, like a European edition of a sci-fi comic collection, a sci-fi novel collection or something. But yeah, the the interiors. I think you, there's evidence that they spend a lot more time on them than a lot of people did for your regular comic book as well. Right. Mm. You know, I'm not sure whether they paid better. I guess maybe they did. I don't know. But you see, because they didn't come under the Comics Code Authority, they could yeah. also take those chances, which, like you say, yeah. you know, you can add boobs and stuff in them. Yeah. So you do you do see them sometimes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um yes, Dan, what was yours? Uh mine thinks from volume two or three, and it's called It That Lurks. And uh it follows a couple of chaps on Safari. And one of them's got like the kind of the kind of ranger hat with the leopard skin band that you'd always see in films of that sort of era in nineteen four fifties, sixties, like the mm the classic good looking guy going on a safari adventure and he's a rough and tough guy and they, they come across this pool and there's a dinosaur in it. And like the, the scientist guy who's also the ranger is like, man, I can't believe this. Look, there's a dinosaur still alive. So I've got a trank gun here. I can shoot it, take it back. And I'll be like famous. This can't believe this is still knocking around. So he shoots the thing in the, the, the face and it plunges into the pool. And he's like, oh, I've got to run and get it out. Otherwise, it's going to be lost in there. So he kind of runs off and his mate's like, what are you doing? You can't do that. That's nuts. So he goes off. And he <laughs> I goes, love that. Dan's <laughs> acting it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he gets immersed in the pool and he's gone. And he's, his mate's like, what the fuck? So he says, I'm going to have to go back to the camp. And then he starts hearing his wife calling him and like smells her perfume. And he turns around and she's standing like, like two foot of water up to her knees. And she's sort of beckoning him into the lake. And as he goes in, she sort of like goes backwards and he follows in and then plunges to his death in the water, which is in some way it sort of suggests that the water has some kind of, the pond is some kind of sentient to it or, but it can make you see what you most desire and it draws people in that way and they die. And that's what happened to him because he had a longing for his wife and the one before him wanted to be like a, a great, great discoverer. So uh, yeah, well, I guess if you're on a field trip with a load of blokes, you know, like, oh god, where's my wife? Sick of this. <laughs> yeah, all the fighting <laughs> in the tent, etc. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's quite a fun one. And the that's written by uh, Archie Goodwin. Oh script, nice, good. And yeah, art by Dan Adkins. Oh nice, yeah. Dan's great. He did a lot of work yeah. for DC as well. Lo- lovely. Oh yeah. Well. Archie yeah. Archie Goodwin's is is like a massive comics hero and the epic collect epics. And all that sort of thing, yeah. Top, top geezer. Uh, it's funny, like yeah. he, he shoots it. It looks a bit like a kind of stegosaurus, but with like a kind of sharp teeth. And he's like, "I'm going to go in and rescue it." It's like, mate, that fucking thing must be about forty tons. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely monstrous. Yeah, that wasn't dialogue from the actual strip, by the way. That was just. Daniel. I'd read it no, if no. it was. Yeah, yeah. Mate, what are you doing? Yeah, what's going on, mate? <laughs> or are you going to swim down and pull that dinosaur out of the lake? What are you can do? Follow your missus into a lake. Yeah. Fuck off, mate. Yeah, with a laugh. What are you doing here? Uh, Turkish. Yeah. Making sandwiches. <laughs> 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 
anyway. It's gone nine o'clock. It's gone nine o'clock. <laughs> the seal was broken. Yeah, the seal is broken. Uh, making sexist jokes. Yeah, but, but, but <laughs> tune in <laughs> next week to see what other tales from eerie and creepy. And uh, I will endeavour to pick a different one. That, I might pick what Dan did this week. <laughs> yeah, just redo uh, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the way you tell it, I was I didn't know. And then Dan messaged saying message just saying yeah i think i did this one last week and, and, I'm and like, then when you said it i yeah. suddenly thought fucking hell you did <laughs> how, how how did you manage to do that you've got like literally a terabytes of maggot i know of I, well, the thing is, and i was looking i i had a cursory glance at some of the later volumes but i thought no i want to stick to the earlier volumes because yeah. that seems to be this is it's gonna sound harsh but it almost feels like there's the better quality stuff in a lot of the earlier ones yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know Simon Russell was talking about this on the Slack. He said, "Look, it's almost like there's a number of different products here. You know, different kind of magazines." He was yeah. sort of saying, "Which is your sort of favorite era?" And you can you can certainly see the eras in them. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah. Totally. Yeah. There's the, the art changes as well, doesn't it? Throughout. Yeah. There's times where you've recommended stuff here, and I've come along the next week with like, "Oh, I found this in Comicsology." It's like, yeah. oh, exactly the same fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's an audio it's medium, beauty, my it's friend. Comics, though. Yeah, yeah. It's beauty of comics. As long as they're there to be discovered, it doesn't matter the eye, who the, you are. The eye of the reader. Yeah, indeed. Um, but before we get on to more comics that you need to check out, do we have any shout outs this week, gents? I've got a series of them. I do. Yeah, oh, so start off. Right, um, okay. I'll get my notebook out. Get your pen out. Inktober on the Slack is great this year. Yes. Really good. What are you doing, really? Dan? You're doing. I'm doing Rob Tober. <laughs> Rob Tober. That is insane what you're doing, Dan. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Your your tweet yesterday or your post yesterday was saying what what's fucking kid Deadpool all about? Yeah, I don't know. I have no I fucking idea. It's just like I've just done some kid blend bubblegum with the Deadpool mask on. I don't know what I was doing. It's rubbish. <laughs> I hate it. But like, when you're doing it for a whole month, you just gotta kind of some not all of them are gonna be winners. Yeah. Yeah. You did your own spin on it, didn't you? But it's yeah. well done to everyone. Keep going, because everyone's doing yes, some great work brilliant. on there. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our buddies over at Colossive Press have a new cl- a collection of strips coming out um, from um, comics legend Glenn Dakin. 28 pages and A4 comics. Come, it comes with an introduction only by Eddie Campbell, of all people. Just eight quid. Go over to Colossive.com. You can get a copy there. Our buddies over at Cutaway Comics are... Well, kickstarting at the moment, I back this Inferno, the world dies screaming. It's the new Who Larger Universe, um, which is a spin off by our chums at Cutway Comics. It follows the um, the John Pertwee, there you go, back again to him, titular Inferno series from the Third Doctor's era, um, with an alternate universe. It's an alternate universe story, and it's got beats taken from Mind of Evil as well. And it's on Kickstarter, it looks amazing, really does look good. And the thing with them is, if you get a comic, you also get like a a CD and an audio download and a commentary and nice. it's, it's a really nice little package they do. Uh, Bomb Scares issue one is the newly rebooted anthology series from Time Bomb Comics. It's raising money for printing and credit payment over at Zoop. Our buddies over at Zoop. Get this for a li- list of um, contributors. Liam Sharp, Alex Nino, uh, Trevor Von Eden, bloody hell. Mm. Um, Jimmy Broxton, who we talked about last week, Hunt Emerson and more. Go to zoop.gg and you can go and back that. Um, another Zoop book. Imagine if Conan was an American in the early 20th century. Uh, he still wouldn't be as tough as Neil Fargo coming away. And it's the graphic novel from the mighty Howard Chaykin on the Zoop publishing platform. Uh, it's also got cover up by our buddy Dave Johnson. Um, wow. I'm going to be all over this, guys. That sounds great. Um, sounds great. Um, it, first, uh, fist fights, gunfights, women and whiskey is the advert. So sign me up for that one. That's a good weekend. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, couple of personal ones. Uh, Tribute has a new graphic gospel out this week. Um, for those that don't know what a graphic gospel are, is there are versions of a tier one, a Bible. Absolutely not safe for work. Um, and they tend to tell a story about an incident that's happened to me in Foul Peter Comic Convention. This one, it relates to me and might have me having sex with various prostitutes over a table while people are waiting for a Tilly Warden signing. But there you go. Um, limited numbers. Uh, the last one sold out so quickly. So go over to tributepress.co.uk and you get a copy of that. And final one for me is I was on the Mega City Book Club this week uh, talking about the Light and Darkness War, which is where we talked about oh, Archie Goodwin as well. Yeah, I love it. And um, have a listen. I really, I really enjoyed talking about that book. I know Eamon basically had been putting out a, a few months on the trot saying, I'd really like to talk about this, but I can't get anyone to talk about it. And I said, I don't want to go back on. I was only on there five minutes ago. Mm. See who else does it. I sat on my hands for a while and I said, I'll go on and I'd love to do it. And we had a great chat about it. I did a load of research. There's a, if you look at the show notes, there's some great um, old videos of UCACs from the 80s really? that I was oh, at. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that um, are in the show notes. Look forward so. to that. Yeah, that's weird like, though it's like a bit like it's like a dream isn't it and then at some point he kind of wakes up and he's like i've got to go back and it's like yeah. i think we've all had that feeling of yeah it's like a, a dream and i want to get back to it it's like a vietnam vet vet with yeah. ptsd but crossed with like a john carter <clears> thing <throat> where suddenly he's, he's all of his old colleagues are alive his brothers from his arms are alive and he's fighting this weird dimension full of um flying viking ships and stuff and it's beautifully drawn Really good. I think yeah. I just bought it off the rip, the trade. And I was like, oh, this is great. I loved it. Yeah, yeah it's lovely. Hot back a bit. Yeah, really good. Then my one, guys. Nice, Dan. <clears throat> what have you got? I've got Underground Kingdom Comics Presents, a comic book anthology showcasing UK cartoonists uh, that's sailing towards this goal. Could do with a little bit more love on that one. Uh, we've got friends in that book, so definitely go check that one out. We've got the aforementioned Bloop and the Pigeon Pandemic by Alex Hahn. Uh, an 88-page full-color comic featuring Bloop, the green Martian scout who always finds trouble, arrives for Christmas. So an 88-page comic, that is a fantastic kit, gift to kind of get uh, a younger family member or for yourself. And uh, jump on this as soon as you hear the pod, if you listen to the pod early, because uh, I think it's got only got three days left. So, yeah, shit. Yeah, and they could do with, I think it's 10% shy of, of this goal. Yeah, so, and these yeah. are a little bit of love together, right? Mm-hmm. Over the line. We've got uh adult human female a giant sized art calendar featuring girls of jimmy broxton's fully loaded comic book and uh that needs a lot more attention to kind of help that get over the line but if you like the aforementioned good girl art and all that kind of stuff that's your bag baby and uh we've got uh, a shout out uh to the uh great craig shields oh yeah this is good what he's done here yeah. He's pimped out our acprecommends.com into a Halloween theme. And it's absolutely lovely. And every week, uh, Craig updates the comics on there. So you click on it, you go to a link where you can buy and read more about all the titles we recommend in the recommend section of our show. Uh, and bringing back around to the horror, as you may or may not know, I'll be going to be crowdfunding a horror comic anthology over Halloween. And I'm giving you, the listener, a chance to uh, get a comic strip in it. Yes. Uh, I'm looking to for a three-page script to be entered, and if you win, you're gonna your comic will be in the the, the com- your script will be in the comic. As a rule of thumb, trying to think nothing risky, then find something in like in a horror film nowadays: gore, monsters, demons, robots. Any any concept is acceptable. Would prefer it if you hadn't written a script before, had work published before, like to give someone newer try at getting their 
their script published in the comic and see it with finished art. Uh, if you win, you'll be, we're going to send you out like a bunch of comp copies. You'll get uh, high-res files. You can do with that comic whatever you wish. If you want to put it into other anthologies, sell it, whatever. It's totally on you. Uh, you can stick it on your social, send to friend, friends and family, whatever you want to do with that. Uh, all scripts we get you send in to be reviewed by a judging panel, and the winner will be decided by consensus. Deadline for entries is Friday the 21st of October. And if you email your script to awesomecomicspod at gmail.com. Uh, that'd be fantastic and uh, look forward to reading those scripts as they come in nice and lastly but not least is this Friday Friday 13th we've got another drink and draw hosted by uh, this chucklehead Tom Curry uh, do pop along and I presume we might be either doing something Halloween based or everyone catching up on a few of their Inktober prompts oh yeah that'd be good wouldn't it yeah, yeah. try and get them in there. I, I'm, I managed to keep on top of mine but you never know. As it goes further into the month, you kind of it goes off, off paste. <laughs> that, that works. And I've done exactly none. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. But you set out to do none, so you've not. <laughs> I did think I might try you, and do it. Well. And I forgot. Yeah, yeah. You're doing well. Yeah. I came in too late. Low standards. Like, I was day late, and I said, like, "Oh fuck it, I'll do the Rob Tober one." And Rob Tober. Yeah, he put them. What I days Wolverine? I don't think he's done Wolverine. Tomorrow is someone called uh, Kane. I had to look I, that up. I, what, from X-Force? One of my favourite Marvel characters. Kane? Mm-hmm. Is yep. he, he's got like a short head, he's like short black hair with a big yep. red jacket. On. Red jacket and he used to fire his hands. I <laughs> fucking loved that character. He, <laughs> he, he appeared, X-Force number two, he fights Deadpool. I was oh, going to have him like smoking a big reefer and then put caned but I don't think many people outside the UK would get that I'm going to do it anyway yeah. if you get caned in the UK that means you're either high on drink or drugs so that's what I'm going to do There you go. I can't do a whole month of people grimacing yeah. and posing <laughs> Rob's done it for four years <laughs> boom he's better than Jim Lee what? <laughs> um I see someone put in the Slack. Oh, Jim Lee's live streaming his drawing now. Yeah. Somebody tell Rob. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he say like someone altered that message? I wasn't calling out Rob or something. So, like, mate, you would totally do that, and everyone yeah. thinks you you think you're better than uh, Jim Lee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Objectively, I just, I just want to say for the record, what I said was just just in jest. I prefer Jim Lee. Uh... <laughs> I know that. I always say when I say Jim Lee, I always feel like Cliff Cliff Cumber's getting annoyed. <laughs> but, well, if we say it too many times, does he appear behind us like Candyman or something? That'd be quite a scary tale. God. To, uh, uh, oh, I don't, have you noticed none of us have said the name again, just in case it happens? No, God, no, not <laughs> fate. Like I said, I think through doing this show, like after last week's ghost encounter with the pen yeah, shooting out amazing. the pen. Part. Oh yeah, you're being you're being haunted, aren't you, Dan? This Someone's is some watching kind of, you, mate. I tell yeah. you now. We're invoking some kind of dark right. And yeah. I hope it's not Kane, because if you bend over, he'll shoot one of his hands at you. Oh, God. Why when he bends... Oh, why am I asking, Tony? Um... Nothing spooky's happened so far, which is a bit oh, frustrating. Oh, but yeah. Well, you never know. Still got a little bit left to go. There's the still recommendations left to go. So in the forthcoming week, here are some titles for you all to look out for. And uh, check the ACP Recommends page. Yes. 
Um, Tony, what have you got first? Uh, yeah, so I've got two. My first one is Illegal Batman, The Forgotten Batman, issue one of three by Ed Pinson, A4, black and white. Um, there's a great two-page intro by Chris Reynolds talking about what Batman really is. It's a really fun little intro. Um, is he the DC comic? Is he Adam West? Is he a cosplayer? A fan making a comic? What is Batman these days? Because he's kind of entrenched into our lives, isn't he, Batman? More more for us, probably, than most people. But He's also a man without a show. But... Um... <laughs> <laughs> um <sighs> and uh yeah but, Warner Brothers big rigs stopped on that <laughs> but the the thing is with it is it's, it's a weird one isn't it because there's so many versions of it now aren't yeah, there yeah um who is your batman it's, there's not even you can't even say that because there's so many different kinds aren't there i kind of mm. like adam west but i also kind of like the animated show and i love the comics and yeah um, you know. yeah it's a weird one. Anyway, so it talks a bit about that. Um, it, funny enough, this is the second week I've talked about a Batman parody, isn't it? The story takes place in 1975 and opens up with illegal Batman and a guy called Officer, Officer Sanford. Getting, they're getting an award for doing so well. But after seeing the, um, the advances made in policing in Gotham, illegal Batman remains quiet and he doesn't say anything. And he um, he was happier when there was crime. And now it's dropped to minimal levels. He's he's sort of... He's a bit, he's a bit restless. Um, but dreams of foreboding arrive, and the following morning, illegal Batman uh, then dresses up uh, in a, a sort of gentleman suit, as if he's going to the opera, carrying an old camera, and he goes up to he goes up to meet the police and refuses to chase the villain on the top. And they all think, "What's happened to Batman? He's gone a bit strange, hasn't he?" Um, and he starts patrolling on a penny farthing. This is properly done in a, like an underground comics feel to it, you know, like an old school um, indie comics feel to it completely uh, bootleg as well you know there's no licensing available for this one um and is him patrolling on a penny farthing and doing shit like that becomes the talk of the underworld and he's um he's he's then sacked by gotham pd as his tactics have become outdated and useless they say and meanwhile there's a little bunch of villains who are straight out of um a batman comic or maybe um a dick tracy comic or something like that one called the neck one called Fruity Limes and one called Boxhead. And crime is rampant and they're un- everyone's unable to cope and illegal Batman is missing and he's sort of sitting at the bo- bottom of a big tunnel that he's built. And what will happen next? Will ba- illegal Batman return? What What is actually in his cave that's sending him crazy? Um, and why is an old railway ticket a clue? And it's just off the rails, silly. And But you can tell that they love ba- Batman as well. And it is as nuts as you think it's going to be. And I've always been a fan of these sort of satires of stuff. I think we have to be able to take the piss out of stuff to be able to um, enjoy the original material sometimes. Perhaps some PR executives from Warner Brothers would be well to remember that, I think, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it just totally works. It is part of a series. If you look at it, um, Ed's Instagram, Ed's older than me and he's on Instagram. Look at us cool kids. Um He's working on the third issue at the moment. I met Ed at the Satanist and Chris at the Satanist thing last weekend. I got it off them. It's lovely to meet them. You can find him at The Sound Projector on Instagram, or you can find his website, thesoundprojector.com. Um, he also does this magazine called The Sound Projector, which is about, and he has, a, he has a radio show on Resonance FM as well, which is, I think, about more found music and stuff like that. Um, and if, yeah, so if you go to his Instagram, you can see the, the works in progress from the third issue. But, 
um, illegal Batman. I'm glad people are out there doing stuff like this. You know, mm. n- nobody's ever going to pay the mortgage with it, but it's just fun. I think we need to take the piss out of our icons occasionally. Um, yeah, as is evidenced by Rob. But there you go. That's my first one. <laughs> nice. Um Before Dan, you jump into yours. I'll, I'll go first um, with my first one because I think we're going um, to jump on yours. We're going in on this then. one, are we? Yeah. yeah. Um, but first, I'm going to um, pick out a tale that was one of my another number one. Um, this one from Dark Horse Comics. Script by Cullen Bunn. Art by Brian Hurt. Colours by Bill Crabtree. Lettered by Jim Campbell. This is Midnight Show number one. Now, obviously, if you recognise some of those critters, they are the minds behind The Sixth Gun and Man of Black. Sixth Gun's such an amazing series. I haven't read Man of Black, actually. I think I need to check that out. Um, the story of this one, Basil Saxon is a legend among horror fans. Over 50 years ago, he vanished during a freak accident on the set of the film that would have been his masterpiece. The cursed film, God of Monsters, was never completed and has never been seen. But when a film festival shows footage from the long-lost movie, classic horror monsters manifest to wreak havoc and terror on the unsuspecting populace. Um, and this... You know, I like I like that sort of concept anyway. It, and so I was bought in by the creators and the concept. But this is so much fun, this book. This is right up my alley. I, I From panel one, page one, I was in. Absolutely in. It starts off with a with a scene. I I love like early hammer horror, you know, that those sort of those sort of films, as well as like the Universal monsters, the older sort of classic ones. Um, this is almost a melding of the two, with a little bit of Monster Squad. It made me. It's almost like a grown-up Monster Squad is happening. Is what's happening with this with this book. Um, but it starts off with scenes of like a, a film being shot. But as it's comics, you you are within. You get the sense that you're watching a film. You're watching one of those early sort of vampire. You know, it's a scene that could quite easily be out of one of the early Hammer horror Draculas. Um, before it cuts away, and you realise you're on a film set as things are starting to go wrong. Um, and you, from there, you you flash forward to this town that's having this this film festival, and you're being introduced to some characters who are no doubt going to be the survivors slash victims for what's going on. And as the film is being shown, um, then these, literally, these classic monsters from horror lore, and it doesn't sugarcoat it. Um, you've got, like, the creature from the, the Gill Man from the Creature of the Black Lagoon. You've got a werewolf. You've, you know, you've got Dracula himself. You've got a mummy. It, it's, it's the, it's the, you know, complete, it's, it's the list of giants from, from monster movies. Um, there's even a, there's a Frankenstein's monster, though he calls himself Frankenstein, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, and as there, one thing I loved, loved about this is as those monsters are being introduced, people are watching these films on the screen and the pacing. I read this twice because okay. I read it panel by panel. It had the like the, the comic book comicsology reading thing, and which worked really well for this. I then read it again just to see the whole pages because I just love the artwork um, but they do a great thing of like you see a, a classic scene from one of the classic like monster movies of when they're discovering a mummy 
and at the same time they cut to modern day a bunch of kids complaining about old movies and then all of a sudden the mummy appears there and they have you know bad things happen the the way those monsters were introduced i just got such a kick out of it it's it's proper proper old school fun popcorn horror you know i imagine like a bombastic soundtrack to it the right amount what is this an ongoing or i think i mean it feels like it's gonna be a mini series right Uh, okay but but cullen cullen bunn as we know he can quite easily do ongoing uh, mini series and there's something about the fact that basil saxon on the first page like it, it says it shows you straight away like this this was a sort of like he was a lon cheney sort of writer director creator he did all the classic movies before he just disappeared from the face of the earth so there's there's a mystery that's going on there as well um so if you like that sort of classic i mean people always say don't they you know oh i used to watch the movies late at night you know i'd stay up after my parents went to yeah. bed and i'd watch them yeah, yeah. it's that kind yeah. it's got that kind of vibe to it and energy to it um for me and i don't, I don't think i've said this before but it's something um i think brian hurt who is the artist on on this and of course did the sixth gun i think he's one i think he's in kind of like an undersung sort of just the quality of his work he's one of the better for me he's one of the better artists out there at the moment right he's just the stuff he's doing has such energy to it um and character um wonderful character design you know the the action's always clear you know where you're going but there's also a sense of tension um wonderful character acting there is i'm (laughs) I thought you, Tony, when I read this, because at this film festival, while lots of people are in the screening, there is there's an actress out in the hallway. She's basically got a little convention table. Do you know what I mean? She's just just got right. some po- Polaroids. Like Carolyn Monroe. It's, it's a totally almost like a <laughs> Carolyn Monroe character. You know, you yeah. see all these you see all these shots of like classic movies, but now you know she she looks a little older she's got like a gray streak she still looks like a cool comic book character if you know what i mean her probably gray, still yeah her, her gray streak is more like a sort of rogue gray streak if you know what i mean rather than um and she's just got a load of attitude um and so immediately she's one of the characters in there but i thought oh that's quite cool that you've got like someone yeah. who was actually in the movies as well um and it's i see just, they've um they've just finished kickstarting um a, a deluxe omnibus for the sixth gun haven't they Really? Nice. I know, I know yeah. I've got a couple of their omnibuses. They're... It made £173,000. Fucking hell. Uh, it's just, the sixth gun was such, that's a great supernatural western. And they're only trying for £8,000. <laughs> when people talk about <laughs> supernatural western books, the sixth gun has always got to be one of your top. Yeah. It was, it was it done is. so well. And this is very much, you can tell it's the creators going, oh, we love those movies. Let's just do a you know it's it's almost it's also got that sort of when we talk about the 1980s movies always set in a small town you know very i mean i'll say the monster squad again if you like the monster squad imagine the monster squad but they're not they're not the goonies they're like adults that have to deal with this and they're actually genuine real monsters it's brilliant this is the book that i thought it's a great cover um but this is the one that i had so much enjoyment and there's so much beauty going on on in the book that I thought maybe the the cover could have been punchier. It might be the, the actual sort okay. of the, the the writing for the book itself, the midnight show, um, that makes me think people might gloss over this. People might discover it later. You know, it's not one of those ones that will immediately jump. Yeah. From the stands. Um, 
it's I mean it's it's um it's Dracula sort of in a cinema well in a in a cinema screen and he's he's clearly opening up some sort of old film case and the audience that's behind him they're all like uh, zombified sort of corpses they're all dead okay. corpses just watching it's a striking image but if if you look at it you'll see what I mean that maybe it doesn't have that that jump that that real pop that it should have um, but yeah uh, highest recommendation this is this is a book that it's given me everything I want, especially at this time of year, this spooky season. Um, so well put together. Um, a real just came out of the out left field. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. But the Midnight Show by Dark Horse, Dark Horse Comics. If you like classic monster movies and monster tales, get it. That's that's my recommendation. Got a bit excited then. Nice. Um, but Dan, another thing to get excited well, about is what Dan's going to talk about. Mine's only going to be a brief one because I haven't actually finished reading this yet. I only started reading it today. And that's uh, The United Going Underground by our friend uh, Johnny Cannon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you guys got this? Yeah, yeah. I, I like this very much so. Yeah, yeah. Nice little bloody uh, hardback on this one. Yes, more fun from the... Uh, well, it's kind of like a, a, a forward jump in time, isn't it? There's The characters are kind of moved on a little but still doing their own thing. And they're investigating a, a, an event, which I don't know what that's about yet because I'm not far enough into the story. But one of the things Johnny kind of, I, I noticed him do in the, our little Slack group in the art channel, he picks out layouts and covers, which kind of like are quite striking and innovative of like the design and where they incorporate panels into kind of the architecture of the page or in whatever's happening in the panel that's kind of worked into it. And that kind of observations and learning goes into some of these pages. And it's really nice to see. There's one where there's two characters, a father and son, and they're leaping on, on rooftops and going on chimney stacks. And the chimney stacks are used as panels. And it's really nicely done. I'm really, really impressed with that kind of stuff so far. Uh, I, I really like that kind of inventive use of panels like that and yeah. an alternative way of telling stories. And uh, I'm looking for. I'm gonna have to get the full read up of it next week because he's got, he's got it, such but... an energy to his work. Hasn't yes, he? yeah, yeah. He studies the greats, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah. yeah, it shows definitely. I think there's there's a lot kind of you got to do, go, it, man. Yeah, go to see the masters, the the, masters yeah. of the the craft and see how they do it, and you're like, yeah, you can learn a lot. So yeah, more than that next week. Cool, nice. Um, what about the other one, Dan? That you were going to mention. Uh, you're talking about the robots in disguise. <laughs> yeah. Ro- robots in disguise. What's that about? Transformers. Gobots. <laughs> Gobots. Gobots. Yeah. Number one. Yeah, Gobots. <laughs> yeah. You have to get some hot eyes to, to reboot the, the the Gobots. No, we're talking about Transformers number one from the new Energon universe, mm-hmm. and it carries on directly from Void Rivals number one, where uh, it's seemingly the arc. You, you you don't know too much about the Transformers, am I right, T? Yeah, I don't. I I did really enjoy this, but there was quite a few characters in it who I didn't really know who they were. Yeah, yeah. If if you kind of know the Transformers, you kind of this is a lot of the kind of the G one classics. Yeah, you you've got Optimus, Soundwave, Starscream. Is it Ratchet? I mean, I mean, yeah. to be honest, yeah, Ratchet's that, in this. Yeah, a, a series a series like this. Um, to be honest, especially at this day and age, tra- especially in comics, I think Transformers. They're playing music for a certain audience. Yes, I mean there's. Uh, um, I mean, obviously, Tony, you're brought on board by. You know, I got it because it's Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, great yeah, in yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, 
Um, well, no, not you know. I can figure out what's going on. There's yeah. just a couple of and the. That, I think that's the important thing. You know exactly yeah. what's going on, and I think that's the beauty. It's of for old and new readers alike. If you're not yeah. kind of up on it, like in the Void Rivals, there's one of the characters, Jetfire, who's like been asleep for thousands, a thousand odd years. Yeah. And he's oh fuck me! Like I've been, I've been oh, going into it again, and he shoots fuck off in me. this. <laughs> he he comes back and like in like in the the old animated series where they have a big fight on the ark and it crashes into Earth and Teletram One basically rebuilds them. Uh, Jetfire is part of that. He's helping them re rebuild themselves so they can blend in with the world. But he kind of doesn't realize what's happened and where there's been some kind of the, the energy crisis on Cybertron, their homeworld. They, a civil wars erupted with the the Decepticon on Autobots, mm. and he's completely what, what are you talking about? He, he doesn't understand that it, it, everything's gone so bloody radical so quickly. And there's real kind of bloodletting in the first issue, isn't there? Mm. It's yeah. like, oh, that character's not going to come back then. They just had their head blown off, and. <laughs> It's... I, like, I like the use of the humans in it. I have to say, there's yes. The, the, so it does when it started. It, it focuses in on um, a couple of kids. One of them's got a bit of a sort of drunky kind of dad mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I was, I've got sort of implicit trust for um, Daniel. And I was thinking they're not going to just, they're not going to pull that thing where it's all about the humans. Then the Transformers turn up on the last page because mm. that that would be. That's a seeming a trend. Yeah, you can't had, do that, can you? No, I had tr- yeah. nah, not for a transformer. So I had trust in it; it wasn't going to happen. And then, of course, by the time you hit page six, they're on the ship. Mm. Mm. But and he so still does so much work because yeah, you get classic, a lovely character. Yeah, yeah. view of them both because classic you know, transformer um, stories are usually. I mean, people always forget about it, but there's always the human element. If they yeah. come to Earth, there's always yeah. the they hang around with humans. It's mm. not like they're all doing their own thing all the time. But he uses shortcuts in relation to that. So what he does is he, he he parlays to us who these characters are in the first few pages, and we get that. And there's this one moment when I was reading it, because it's all fucking kicking off on the bridge of this ship, and there's robots fighting robots. I don't really know who's who. And then just out of the blue, suddenly the kids push his gun to him. Mm. And I thought, I really love that moment because there's no need, because a lot of comic, you know, more boring comic writers would have you know, led up to that with a page of flipping dialogue and stuff. But you don't need it, do you? You just yeah. need to, these kids know what they've got to do and they push the gun to him. And they they sort of look at each other and realise that these are the good guys. We've got to help yeah. these out. Yeah, And there's yeah. also the sense of scale. When, they, when we say they push the gun, because it's Optimus Prime who needs a bit of help. Mm-hmm. And and when they push a gun, this is two people looking like they're like pushing, pushing a car. car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I loved that moment. I thought that was yeah. really good. Yeah. And it just, it, you know, we the lines are drawn there and, mm. and then you get this sort of really interesting escape chase thing go on i think it works yeah but it totally works. gives an absolute like the 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 kids he doesn't know who they are he doesn't know where he is in in the yeah. universe but he's just like they're my main priority i can't yeah. let these people die yeah and he sort of you can think, to save them the other thing i thought about it is because trans i can only imagine as a non-artist how difficult transformers are to draw oh yeah they gotta be a fucking nightmare yeah but i was thinking about this being a strange choice of his he clearly is a fan of them mm. because he's got this sort of um kinetic style isn't he yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but he, he he it's so well contained here it has the action and it has the movement mm. but he also gets he, he's actually totally on form for each body type yeah. for each yeah. robot type i think this is really well done yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, agree. The, I was the, kind the, of the space sure mullet days. Are, but, yeah. the space mullet days have, have like st- stood him well because obviously years and years of spaceships and doing all yeah. kinds of speed lines. 
you know, and and science fiction creation. He was already having training for this book. Uh, one thing I, I will also say: this he clearly loves doing this, and it's a Daniel Warren Johnson book. So there's two pages of wrestling, baby. If you mm. want fucking Optimus Prime clothesline, clotheslining, and then doing a back-to-back suplex. Yes, yeah. I with the suplex, I was like, holy fucking shit! Yeah, amazing. Loved it. Yeah, as well. I have to admit to. A... Uh, Go on. I have to admit to falling asleep in the cinema during a numerous Transformers movies with my son. Though. Oh, that's no problem. Oh no, yeah, I, I, I haven't watched crap. them since <laughs> yeah. the first. Um, although the OG is the animated movie. Um, yeah. I've got the album of that. I've got the vinyl of that. Man, that yeah. slaps. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> but an- another thing, and there's obviously all this action, but it's a Daniel Warren Johnson book. And as we always say with him, um, amazing action, kinetic, just a, th- a thrill a minute. And he gets a lot of a heart and emotion into his book. There's already there's a lot of story in this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hell of a lot of story, yeah. but it's not always spoken, is it? It's, yeah. it's just from like little flashback little moments uh, you know the tears in the corner of someone's eyes um, they said I was really worried at the start for, oh god are we going to end this on the comic with them turning up on the arc and seeing all yeah. the Transformers laying around but nope yeah that's what I was thinking man yeah. I was thinking oh we're going to get them in the last page we don't I'm so glad yeah yeah. No. yeah. The, and, and the last the last panel is one of those oh it's a bit hardcore it's yeah. a villain a villain doing something oh yeah man that awful yeah. Awful. Yeah, I don't think the Transformers have been told in a story where they've gone that far before, in my yeah. to my knowledge. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's, but, it's yeah, just a fantastic yeah. debut. It, it delivered on everything we hoped. It? But also in the back, did you see? There's like a new GR Joe series with yes, Ham- Larry Hammer. Yes, yeah. Chris Mooneyham. Have you seen Chris Mooneyham's art before? No. He's he's a really good artist. He's um, yeah, he's good. Yeah, yeah, nice. Is that the Duke and Cobra Commander ones that are there as well? Yeah, Duke is Joshua Williamson, Tom Riley, and Geordie Belair, and uh, Cobra Commander is Joshua Williamson, Andrea Milana, and Annalisa Leone. Um, now, Duke comes out December the twenty seventh. Cobra Commander is January sixteenth, and then after that, I think. Oh no, no, it's it, GI Joe first November. November isn't it? Oh yeah, fifteenth. Yeah. yeah, so it, around November the fifteenth. If you hear hear a loud explosion, it's because Dan's just spontaneously Dan's explode. pants. Yeah, Dan's okay, pants. Go, just... Joe. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> the famous catchphrase. Oh right. Okay. So you shout at the end. Oh right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. I shout. Pump my fist in the air triumphantly as what? my other thing pumps. Get yeah. get get uh, Kane along. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, in a real um, sort of turn up for the books, this Energon universe and the GI Joe, we're loving it, aren't we? It's something yeah. we're really excited. It's like about. big game. It's another one of those sort of new comic book Man. day fucking. Yeah. When's big game? Now? Is it when's yeah. when's got two weeks? And we we got two weeks oh. for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't come around soon enough. I, yeah. I tell you, I tell you what, it's funny when you get like these, you know, whether it's uh, creator own titles or you know tie-ins. It's funny what happens with these comics when you get creators that actually care. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people that. want to buy it and interested <laughs> that's so annoying because you've got a baked in audience yeah. how the fuck do you turn a baked in audience off Yeah, stuff yeah. is just beyond me well just uh, just write to Marvel or DC they'll let you know yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but speaking of baked in um, the Ooh. pie of an awesome comics podcast episode would not be fully <laughs> baked unless it, unless, this is well Alan Partridge this unless is brilliant it, unless it was where are you going with this uh, unless the delicious crust 
was finished off with a Tony Esmond recommendation. Rusty Esmond's here to Rusty help Esmond, you. Rusty Esmond, take it away. <laughs> Boney Desmond is here. Um, <laughs> so my final one is Here Comes Calico from Sigma Comics, eight-issue yes. series written by H.H. Gennon, art and lettering by Javier Orobic, colours by Daniel Grimaldi, cover by Garnabeel, who's a one-word artist. Um Essentially, he's a. He described himself. Calico is a one-man arsenal of destruction in constant pursuit of justice for the smallest and weakest uh, amongst us. Um, he's basically a costume punisher for people who abuse animals. So I'm fucking bang on this tea now. Um, <laughs> uh, having been a veggie for forty years, I'm I'm all over this one. Um, this is the one. I don't know if you remember me saying I bought it off a lady at Baltimore. Um, she bit of a hard sell, let's be honest, but it was worth it. Um, and we had a conversation about vegetarianism, me and the lady. Uh, and I thought, oh, okay, I'll have a bit of this. So Calico is a geezer who grew up in San Francisco. Geezer, for the American people listening, just means dude. Doesn't mean old person. Um, and he, he really doesn't like uh, bullies. So he took up boxing. His costume is a little bit of a cross between maybe Batman and maybe a little bit like an armoured Black Panther kind of thing going on. Nice. And he's got one of those sort of tech orbs a la Mr. Terrific that follows him around called Bumble. And he uses it for surveillance and stuff. First issue, he is hunting the Gimbal family who went on the safari in Africa and shot a lioness. Um, and there's photos of them with the body. That So Bimble does a bit of surveillance while he's in the bushes with his binoculars, you know. And um, you can see through the window, there's a picture of them, the family, with this lion, lioness that's laying there on the floor. And he says, these people are pure shit that needs to be smeared all over the street. So I'm <laughs> enjoying this. Uh, it's, it's, it genuinely is like a really good Avatar comic, but coloured, I think, you know, with colours. Most Avatar was black and white, I'm right saying, because it? it's been a few years, but most of it was black and white. But this is, um, And it's done on newsprint as well, so you've got that sort of, um, the, the colours sunk into the page, and like we used to love, you know. Um, so they, um, he goes to the house, breaks in, and he says... Uh, um, and there's also pictures of them at their, they've obviously gone to some posh hunting club, um, you know, where they're being celebrated for having killed all these wild animals. And they're eating, sitting at the table and eating ostrich steak when he goes to their house. And he's, Mike, he says, micro penises and dried up vaginas congregate to shave their, to share their brave hunting stories, the shit bags. So you can <laughs> see this is quite edgy. The title, yeah, 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 he don't fuck about, does he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he arrives with a box. He gets a box. The box is delivered to the house, and they 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 sign for it and turn around, and they're standing there. And uh, he gets them to open the box, and in the box is the head of their daughter, who is beheaded. And then he basically sort of viciously tortures them to death for most of the rest of the issue. Um, good solid storytelling, though. Um, reminds me of, like I say, those glory days of Avatar comics. So absolutely surprisingly violent and graphic. Um, and in issue two, surprisingly sexual. There's a page turn that I sent you guys, didn't I? There's just oh, yeah. he arrives at this sort of this place, this truck stop, and next thing you know, he's getting blown on as you as you do the page, and it's it's a full page. Plunge. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, there's absolutely no ambiguity here. <laughs> yeah, like... he's always got like a shocked look on his face, like, what happened there? How did that yeah. happen? Yeah, didn't did not see this happening. This is yeah. Shocked as the reader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Issue two deals with a man who enjoys clubbing seals whilst wearing, I think it's a Red Sox hat. Um, and I have to say the art in the second issue 
by the same creative team, but is they've kind of upped the detail a bit actually. Um, there's a Jose Rip style, and especially in backgrounds and stuff going on in this. I think the the, the color works really well on it. And um, I, I was reading it in uh, Cafe Nero earlier, and I turned the page to the blowjob scene, and I had to do that sort of subtle look to see if the people sitting yeah, behind so me had seen what I was looking did at. Did anyone you know? clock that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really enjoyed this. I reached out to them on Instagram and said, is there any way you can get these? Because I only bought the first two issues. I think they're up, up to issue seven at the moment. Um, is there any way you can get it in the UK? And they said, well, it is in Diamond. You can order it through Diamond. And I thought, so I said, well, I've missed a few issues now to order it through Diamond. Is it, Have you got a trade coming out? And they said, we've got a trade coming out in the first quarter of the next of next year, 2024. So it's well worth getting. It's going to be an eight-issue trade. It's pretty good. Ah, that sounds good. Um, okay, okay. I like it. If you go to Sigma, S-I-G-M-A, sigmacomics.com, you can find um, details of it there. I think they've got a YouTube channel and all sorts of things. And you can go to Instagram, Sigma underscore comics, and get it there. If you're... Uh, into superheroes fighting a good fight against people who abuse animals. This is the one for you, I'd say. There you go. That that's the one for me. Yeah, there you go. Nice. My second one, guys. There you go. And plenty of comics for you, lovely people, to go out and check out and read. Whether it be horror, robots in disguise, uh, blowjobs, whatever you want, <laughs> whatever you want to read. There's some. You're a fan of blowjobs. <laughs> Other jobs are available. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly <laughs> what the hell was that what? what am I doing what is that oh no man like you say Dan once we get once we get past nine o'clock all it's better just... off aren't they yeah yeah so Shit while we wild. while we calm down we just want to say thank you very much for listening this week um join us next week um we've got a name guest in the pipeline that if you like horror comics, yeah, you might be a little bit interested in. Go to name horror comics. I'd, mm. I'd hazard a guess and say yes, yeah. So um, look forward to that. But in the meantime, if there's anything you want us to discuss or shout out on the show, or certainly if you've got a horror comic that you want us to check out, there's several different ways you can get in touch with us. You can email us awesomecomicspod at gmail.com Follow us on social media at the awesome pod. We have a Slack group, community channel, whatever you call it. All I know is there's a wonderful group of people on there. Talking about comics, covers. Keep the if you want to keep this conversation going that we've had. There's a podcast um, channel, podcast discussion channel there, which I yeah, always like to check out. From there, yeah, yeah. Um, wonderful uh, group of people. So please, please join. Just get in touch with us, and we can add, add you onto there. And it's a growing community all the time. And as mm. the guy said earlier, there's also art threads and stuff on there. So if you just want to look at some cool art, it's the place to be. Thank you for listening to us. Whether it's on the website awesomecomics.podbean.com com. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, um, please subscribe, leave a nice review. Helps get the word out about the show and everything we talk about on a weekly basis. And if you listen to us on any other networks, such as Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, Podnose, Podknife, what other networks are we on, Tony? We're on the Pod Network. Dear Spotify, please stop recommending Coldplay to me. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you got in... Yeah. No, this is, a, this is an ad. Well, I always put this... I look at playlists that are usually called Folk and Acoustic. And it always seems to throw a fucking Coldplay song on me in the middle of it. You might be able to block a band. I think there is something you can block stop. Block Coldplay. You can, yeah, you can stop. I'd feel dirty for doing that. Why? Yeah. Blocking you, Coldplay. You, you have literally just said, stop recommending them to me. Well, I'm appealing to them through the through the podcast medium. Yeah. Well, guys, when you listen to this, just... Thanks, Spotify. Block, block Coldplay. Yeah. <laughs> um, where can people find us online, etc.? Tony? neverunanything.com Nice, Dan. 
You can read Vanguard at vanguardcomic.com. Nice. And you can find me on social media at Jester Diablo. Thank you very much for listening, as always, folks. Hope you're enjoying this spooky month. We're certainly having, having fun. So join us next week mm. for more comic chat and nonsense as we're rolling ever closer to 450 and beyond, which is a scary thought. That's Rums. that's something horrific, yeah. wow. thinking about the, the, the amount On the road to 500, even. I no, know. we're going, yeah, 450, yeah. then the 500. That's yeah. going to be massive. I'm going to get in a load of drugs for that. Yeah. It's going to be more than massive. It's going to be mega. It's going to be filthy. Is mega bigger than massive? I think it is. I I think it is. Is when you're booking a stripper. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Have a mega stripper, please. (laughs) Another banana gram, sir. Yes, please. God. I guess you say can have a massive stripper, like. While we uh, go forth and try and I try to wrangle whatever the plans for five hundred are going to be. Uh, join us next week wherever you are you, the, the three of us and a load of strippers That's it's done I think that's written in stone yeah. now it's fine uh, nothing's written in stone it's, everything's digital this way this day it's Tony <laughs> or are you still old school are you still writing on stone yeah I'm still doing my comics that's how, that's why it takes me so long <laughs> sitting in the garden with a chisel Hercules gets a blowjob takes ages to fucking write that yeah. oh god I spelt that wrong <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I need more slate. <laughs> while, we're, while we're off to B&Q to sort out Tony, have a brilliant week wherever you are in the world. We hope you're happy, healthy, doing great. Enjoying some horror comics and some spooky movies in this, this time of year. Cause it's not Christmas yet. We should enjoy Halloween first. I will stick yes. to that. And uh, until then, well, wherever you are in the world, just read comics, make comics. Enjoy your comics, and uh, what else should they do, guys? Stay awesome. Stay awesome. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye.